97.5 The Fanatic. Now, Philly Sports Tonight with Connor Thomas. 97.5 The Fanatic and 97.5 TheFanatic.com. What is going on, everybody, in and around the city of Philadelphia? How are we doing tonight? No, I am not Connor Thomas, fortunately. My name is Tom Alvord. I'll be filling in on Philly Sports tonight for you this evening from 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock. Very excited to talk to all of you out there tonight. We got a lot to get into. Of course, following the best show ever, where Connor and Ray filled in for the crew. Regular. Normal schedule back tomorrow. So Tyrone, Ricky, Jen, they'll all be back tomorrow. Back to our normal programming. But a little bit of vacation. Well-deserved vacation. So you had Connor and Ray before. You got myself tonight. Very excited. As I mentioned, we have a ton to get into tonight. There is a lot going on in the sports world of Philadelphia. The Eagles are coming off of their bye week. Looking to head into a matchup with the Kansas City Chiefs. On Monday night. Next Monday night. Where? Andy Reid. Pretty good coming off a bye, 27-4 and in his career, including the postseason. Nick Sirianni, good start for him as well, 2-0 and in his first two years as a head coach coming out of the bye. Going to be a great matchup. We're going to discuss that matchup. We are also going to look back on the first half of the season a little bit for the Eagles and really, really start to look ahead to the second half of the season for the Philadelphia Eagles as the show goes on tonight. And, of course, this crazy juggernaut of a stretch they have coming up in the next four or five games or so. So we're going to get into Eagles throughout the evening. We have a Phillies free agency rumor. If you are listening to the best show ever, that includes or involves, excuse me, the biggest Phillies free agent on the market currently, which is Aaron Nola. And yes, he has been linked to the Philadelphia Phillies. There's been rumors about how far apart they are in talks when it comes to money and conversations. We've also heard some names of some teams that have come up that are interested in Aaron Nola. And one of them came up today, according to John Morosi, that should put a little bit of fear in Philadelphia Phillies fans out there. We're going to touch on that tonight and a whole lot more. But we have to start with your red-hot Philadelphia 76ers. I feel like every single time I fill in, I'm talking about the red-hot Philadelphia 76ers because that's what they are, and that's what they have been. Philadelphia 76ers, 8-1 and one on the season, best record in the Eastern Conference, best record in the NBA as the Denver Nuggets and Dallas Mavericks both find themselves at 8-2 and two on the year. A tremendous, tremendous start for the Philadelphia 76ers and a tremendous game last night picking up their eighth straight win, 6-0 and at home on the season. And there's been a lot of bright spots throughout this season, right? And we talked about it last week and we've been talking about it a lot the past couple weeks, not just me, um, not just this show and this time slot, but this sh- all the shows all over the fanatic, like buying into the Sixers. Have you bought in? Are you not going to buy in? We We've done that conversation. That's what, not what tonight's about, right? If you haven't bought in, I don't think you're going to anytime soon. You might be one of those people waiting until Christmas, get me to the playoffs, whatever. If you haven't bought in, that's fine. I think you should because it's a very good basketball team. We're not having that conversation tonight. We've had that already. What I want to talk about is going forward for the Philadelphia 76ers, who, again, why they've been so impressive to me and why you should buy in if you haven't is because how quickly this team has hit the ground running, right? Obviously, a fantastic start, as I just mentioned, eight and one on the season, best record in the NBA, but it's everything. It's how it looks, right? It's Joel Embiid, who, of course, can drop 50 any night he decides to and still has that in his back pocket whenever he's ready, right? He was dominant like he was last week when he had an incredible game, had that, what, 26 points in the third quarter, didn't miss a shot, whatever it is. We know Joel Embiid the scorer. But he's doing other things this season so far, Joel Embiid, right? We're seeing it on the defensive end where we know he's a great defensive player, but we're seeing continued effort from Joel Embiid on the defensive end. The assist numbers, which I will continue to point at when it comes to Joel Embiid, is something that has stuck out to me big time and I think should stick out to you as well, where he is averaging two more assists 
per game than he has for his entire career. And when it comes to the highest assists per game number, he's averaging an entire season. He looks better passing the ball, right? He looks like he's doing more. It's more of an all-around type game for Joel Embiid, and that's going to go a long way for the Philadelphia 76ers, in my opinion, if it continues. It's not just Joel Embiid. It's Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris has had a really, really nice start to the season. Didn't shoot great from the field last night, but it looks like a new, rejuvenated Tobias Harris. It looks like a Tobias Harris who finally has a little bit of freedom and isn't being forced to the corner and forced to do something that he's not necessarily comfortable with doing. Now, listen, part of the blame is on Tobias Harris, and they really couldn't count on him to be the third guy on on the team, to be the best team they could going forward, trying to win a championship. And that's why they had to bring in a guy like James Harden and and make the moves that they made, right? And give Tyrese Maxey more of a role as a ball handler, right? But Tobias Harris finally looks comfortable. And in a contract year, of course, which has a big part to do in why he's playing so well, at least why I think he's playing so well, looks really, really good so far to start the season, Tobias Harris. The bench, rejuvenated rejuvenated bench, excuse me, where the bench looks really, really good so far to start the year. Obviously, the pieces that came over in the James Harden move, Robert Covington, Nick Batum, We'll see a little bit of Marcus Morris more going forward. I would think as the season goes along, the bench looks really, really good. Paul Reed, we're starting to see him sprinkled in a little bit more. Pat Beverly has looked good in his limited role. Not going to be the scorer that that Pat Beverly was even like a couple years ago, right? He's more of an energy guy. He's more of a actual backup ball handler. This team has wings that they can actually count on. And, of course, have to mention and can't not mention Kelly Oubre Jr., of course, the unfortunate news. Very, very scary situation. It turns out that it's not nearly as bad as it could have been. Get well soon. Kelly Oubre should be reevaluated in a week. Is dealing with some, uh, I believe, believe it's a broken rib and a little bit of bruising going on, but not nearly as bad as it could have been, as it could have been, excuse me, Hoping he gets back as soon as possible and very excited for him to get back. But just thankfully, he is okay after getting struck by the vehicle. Hopefully, we see him back in a Sixers uniform very, very soon. And it was really cool last night to see the signs and hear the teammates talk about him after the game. And they tried to FaceTime him right. Really, really cool. And it just shows you the chemistry that this team has right now. But the biggest thing when it comes to this season that I've noticed, the biggest change, it's not Nick Nurse for me, who has been fantastic to start the season. And he's probably 1B when it comes to the conversation of why the Sixers team looks so different, right? Nick Nurse and the system that he's brought, the culture that he's bought, that has been a huge, huge thing. You could be the best coach in the world. You still need players to go out there to perform. We all know Joel Embiid's going to perform, right? We all know he's an MVP, and he can drop 50 any given night, right? And he can be the best player on the court any given night. To win in this league, you need a second star, quote-unquote. You need a second guy on the team that can carry the team when the first guy has an off night, when the first guy's getting triple team, right? When the first guy's maybe a little bit banged up. You need two guys that can be able to carry you. We thought we had one last year in James Harden. And he was really, really good throughout the entire season, in the regular season at least last year, right? We saw different things from James Harden where he was shooting at the best clip he shot from three-point percentage in like a decade. And he was leading the league in assists, right? We saw how good James Harden could be. We saw the ceiling of James Harden. Unfortunately, come playoff time, we also saw the floor of James Harden. And with that floor of James Harden, that's not nearly a player that you can win with, especially at this point in his career, right? So we thought we found a star in James Harden to pair next Joel Embiid. And that's what we've been looking for since Jimmy Butler. We thought we had one in Ben Simmons. I know it's early. I know we're nine games into the season, just a few weeks into the season. But my goodness, Tyrese Maxey. He, is, he should be the talk of the town right now, and he is the talk of the town. Of course, Joel Embiid, what he's doing is incredible. I'm used to it at this point, and it's crazy that we are used to it, right? A guy that can have his dominant of seasons and his dominant of games as Joel Embiid, but we've like kind of grown accustomed to it at this point. We take it for granted a little bit. Nick Nurse and what he's doing is incredible. The story so far this season, in my opinion, it's Tyrese Maxey. 
and it was showed again last night. Tyrese Maxey, a career game, an incredible night, a career night from Tyrese Maxey, where he has 50 points, seven rebounds, five assists, and oh, by the way, three blocks, seven threes he hit last night. Tyrese Maxey was on another planet last night. And Tyrese Maxey has been phenomenal to start this season. No, 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 no. Not just good. Not okay. Not great. Tyrese Maxey's been phenomenal so far this season. Where it's very early on. And that's something I'm going to say a lot. And that's something we're going to say a lot going forward for the next few weeks and next few months. Right? It's still early. It's still early. There's a lot more to be proven. That is absolutely true. I can only react to what I've seen so far. And in the first nine games of the season, Tyrese Maxey looked like a star. He does. He looks like an absolute star right now. Averaging 28.6 points per game. Eight more than his career high, which was set last season. When it comes to the assist, it's not just what he's doing as a scorer. Averaging 7.2 assists per game. More than half of his, excuse me, almost half of his career high, which was two years ago when he had 4.3. Averaging almost three more assists per game than his previous career high. He's doing it as a scorer. He's doing it as a passer. He's doing it as the quarterback and the point guard of this team. And that's what's been so impressive to me. It's how quickly this thing has hit the ground running, right? How quickly Nick Nurse has implemented his system and implemented his culture. How quickly Tobias Harris has been able to thrive in his role. And Joel Embiid has been able to change his game up a little bit, right, for the better of the team. The biggest thing to me is Tyrese Maxey. Because in this league, you need stars to win. You need star players to play like star players come playoff time. That's what happened last year for the Denver Nuggets. They had Nikola Jokic, who was obviously incredible. MVP, almost MVP, almost won three straight MVPs if Joel Embiid didn't win it last season. And, of course, wins finals MVP. He was absolutely incredible. You know what a big part of last season was for the Denver Nuggets? Jamal Murray was fantastic. A guy who has never made an all-star team in Jamal Murray. He was playing like a top-ten player in basketball when it mattered most come playoff time, right? Now, again, I'm not getting too far ahead of myself. We have a long way to go. But the biggest thing that has stood out to me so far this season in the first nine games of the year, in the first few weeks of the year, is Tyrese Maxey looking as good as Tyrese Maxey has looked this season, right? Where you were expecting a little bit of growing pains, right? You were expecting a little bit of, oh, a bad turnover night, has 10 turnovers and zero, or excuse me, 10 assists and and zero turnovers one game. Then the next game, he struggles a little bit as the main ball handler, and he has a five-assist night with four turnovers. Doesn't look as pretty, right? We haven't seen any of that so far. And he's seen some good competition, Milwaukee, we, in the first game of the season. Boston, who has given him problems with length just a couple of games ago. Tyrese Maxey has looked fantastic as the quarterback and as the point guard of this offense. And that's the biggest change for me. That's the biggest difference. So I ask you out there, and this is something that Connor Thomas got in towards the end of the show. Connor said, after the end of the best show ever, towards the end of the best show ever, quote, this team still needs another deal for a top-level player. Until then, your expectations shouldn't change. And for the most part, I still think he's probably correct. But I'm not nearly as sure as I was even just a couple of days ago, even a couple of weeks ago. Because if Tyrese Maxey can turn into that Jamal Murray type player, right? The guy that you can count on to be a second star when it matters most in the biggest games of the season. This team might not make, need to make as big of a deal as we think. And again, I hate to overreact. It's only nine games. But Tyrese Maxey has looked like a star. So I ask you out there at 610-632-0975. In the first nine games of the season, have your expectations changed for this Philadelphia 76ers team? Now, I'm not asking you to look ahead and say in championship or bust or anything like that. No, no, no. I want you to enjoy the moment. I'm a big enjoy the moment type of guy. 
right? Don't look too far ahead because then you're going to be missing some really good moments and really fun times. We said that about even the Sixers season last year. We talk about it with the Eagles all the time. We talked about it with the Phillies, right? Enjoy the moment when you can. I hate to look too far ahead, but I'll be completely honest. My expectations have changed a little bit when it comes to this basketball team coming into this year without James Harden. And now listen, I thought it was going to linger way more than it did. I thought this thing was going to the all-star break and I thought more was going to drag this out. He didn't. He traded James Harden. He looks like he won that trade from what we've seen from James Harden so far this season. We'll talk about him a little bit later on, right? But I'll be honest, coming into this season, I said it time and time again, a trio of Harden, a, a locked in and bought in James Harden, Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris is better than a trio of Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid, right? It just is. Right now, I don't know if I feel that same way because Tyrese Maxey has made a leap that I did not think was possible this quickly. It feels like something Jalen Hurts does, or did, excuse me, the same thing. Where Jalen Hurts, I was, I'll be honest, I was a little bit of a doubter myself. I needed to see it. Jalen Hurts made a meteoric type jump, type leap a year ago. It seems like Tyrese Maxey's doing the same. We need to see it going forward. I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself, but I ask you out there, 610-632-0975, 10 games in, nine games into this season, have your expectations changed for what you expect from the Philadelphia 76ers for the rest of this season? 610-632-0975. And also, I just want to celebrate Tyrese Maxey a little bit. I feel like we do this every couple weeks during the Sixers season when Tyrese has one of these games. Not one of these games, because that was the first time we saw one of those games from Tyrese Maxey. But when Tyrese Maxey has a great game like he has in the past because he's a tremendous player, obviously, I just want to celebrate Tyrese Maxey a little bit and where this Sixers franchise is because of Tyrese Maxey. Joel Embiid had some words, and I'm going to play them for you after the break, talking about Tyrese Maxey and just the kind of culture changer that a guy like that is in a locker room. 610-632-0975. Going to get into that and a whole lot more. Got Jeff Kerr of CBS is going to join us a little bit later on to talk a little Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously going to discuss some Eagles. Going to look into the bye week, post bye week. Going to get into some Phillies. But I want to start with the Philadelphia 76ers and Tyrese Maxey. Have your expectations changed for this Philadelphia 76ers season? For what you expect from this Philadelphia, from these Philadelphia 76ers. Just nine games in. 610-632-0975. Tom Alvord, got you till 10 o'clock right here. Philly Sports Tonight, 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Wondering who made our list of the top five all-time queens of country music? Did Carrie Underwood make the cut? Find out now when you text Queens to 45911 and scroll through the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text Queens to 45911 to see the talented artists who rounded out our top five list. 97.5 The Fanatic. The Fanatic. Tom Alvord filling in for Connor Thomas. Philly Sports Tonight. Got you till 10 o'clock. Starting off the show, talking to Philadelphia 76ers. And talking some Tyrese Maxey. Because what I saw last night was pretty damn impressive from Tyrese Maxey. Not only to do it as a scorer. 50 points. Putting up the night that he had. Three-point line. Seven for 11 from three, right? Feeling himself. There was a point where he mouthed to himself like, oh, I'm that good or something like that. I saw that after he hit the last three. And I'm just like, yeah, Tyrese, you're pretty damn good, man. I'm glad, I'm glad you realized that. Incredible night from Tyrese Maxey last night. 32 field goal attempts, hits 20 of them. Seven rebounds, five assists. 
and the big thing, three blocks. Because you're seeing the effort on the defensive side. And we're seeing, and I think that's just Nick Nurse. I think that's all Nick Nurse, right? You're seeing effort defensively from this team, from guys like Tyrese Maxey, from guys like Joel Embiid, that you're not necessarily used to seeing on a, what, Sunday game in November. You're seeing it. He's brought a culture over here, right? He's changed this team's feel a little bit. He absolutely has. And so is Tyrese Maxey. And that's what I want to start tonight off, uh, start the show off with tonight. Tyrese Maxey. We feel lucky that the kid's here, to be honest. Like, I, I try and think about where this franchise would be without Tyrese Maxey, and I'm not getting too ahead of myself. There's a long ways to go. I get that. But, like, if Tyrese Maxey isn't here and they draft someone else with that 21st pick overall, shout out to Daryl Morey for making that pick, by the way, um, we Joel Embiid might have already asked out for a trade already. Let's be completely honest. If Tyrese Maxey wasn't drafted, Joel Embiid might not be here right now. Think about that for a second. Tyrese Maxey is a kid that, we saw his potential kind of early on, right? Was kind of cracking minutes for a Doc Rivers team. That never happens when it comes to a young guy because Doc Rivers loves his veterans, lives by him, dies by him as well. His veterans. Tyrese Maxey and what he has done this early on in this Sixers season has been incredible to me. It really has. Because when, Joe, oh, excuse me, when James Harden was traded, right? I thought back when all these discussions were happening. Oh, what are they going to do about Harden? Is he going to buy in this, that, the other? We weren't sure how long this was going to linger on till. But I did know one thing, or at least I thought I knew one thing. When Harden is gone in a Harden trade, the Sixer ceiling takes a hit. I truly believe that, right? As I mentioned, Harden had a nice year, in the really good year in the regular season last year and had some great moments in the postseason. It's really hard to score 40-plus points in a playoff series. It's very hard to do it twice. And one of those games where he scores 40-plus, he had zero turnovers. Like, you saw prime Harden in some of those games. You saw the ceiling. The issue is, you saw the floor as well. And Tim Legler pointed this out right after the playoffs ended, and I couldn't agree with him more when he said it. Like, you can't win a playoff series, a championship, with this style of James Harden because his floor is too low. He'll give you A, A A-plus games. The problem is, two of the other games in the series, he'll give you F games, D-minus games, right? And it looks like he quits. That was part of the problem. It's a big reason why he he's not here anymore, right? Obviously, him and having his issues and all that. But because of the way that he performed in the playoffs in Game 6 and Game 7, he wasn't offered a max contract from the Philadelphia 76ers. So that is a reason why he's not here anymore. But I, did, I thought I knew one thing. With Harden being gone, I thought that this team's ceiling took a hit, right? I didn't think a trio of Tyrese, Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid was good enough to win a championship. And I'm not saying it is. Still a long ways to go. But man, how quickly this thing has hit the ground running and how all of these guys on this team are doing exactly what they needed to do without a James Harden has made it that incredible for me, right? Has made it that, has changed my opinion, really, when it comes to the expectations that I have going forward for this Philadelphia 76ers team. Now, I'm not going to overreact too much. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that this team's winning the championship or this team should be an easy locked top three seed Eastern Conference championship. I'm not saying any of that, right? They're going to go through a tougher stretch. They played a lot of home games early on. Nine games so far, six of them at home. How do they look when they go on a road stretch, right? How does this team look like when they go on a West Coast trip, when the time schedule changes? How does this team look when they play Milwaukee and Boston back-to-back or you have a couple tough games thrown thrown to you in a row? We shall see. But I can't get out of my head just how good this team looks this early on. 
where you're seeing effort. You're seeing ball movement. You're seeing a different style play. It's not dribble, 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 dribble the air at a ball like James Harden. Very little movement on offense, right? You're not seeing that at all. This looks like a team style of basketball. But the biggest thing to me is Tyrese Maxey playing like a second star. If Tyrese Maxey continues this play for the rest of the season, even if he takes a little bit of a hit, right? And he has to continue to improve as a ball hand, or as a lead point guard, right? Distributing the ball, making his teammates better, all that good stuff. He's not going to have a night where he shoots 20 for 32 and 7-11 from three every single night. There's going to be nights when he doesn't have a shot and he has to get his teammates involved. I understand that. But if Tyrese Maxey can play like this going forward for this Sixers team, I do think the ceiling is raised. And I do think my expectations have changed. Coming into this year, I'll even say it when James Harden was traded. When James Harden was traded, I was thinking, all right, this team's probably a five seed in the East, maybe a four seed. They get a first first round uh, home game, home series in the first round, excuse me. And then they probably lose in five games in the second round. Right now, I don't know if I can say the same. Right now, this feels like a team that's maybe a top four, top three seed in the Eastern Conference. This feels like a team that could take a team like Boston potentially to a six-game series or maybe even seven-game series. Again, I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself. I don't like to look too far ahead. I like to enjoy the moment. But watching this team, and more specifically, watching Tyrese Maxey, to be honest, my expectations have changed a little bit if they can continue this play. And I believe the ceiling is raised if Tyrese Maxey can continue this play. A big if, a big can. But from what I've seen so far this season, all good things from the Philadelphia Eagles. So I ask you out there at 610-632-0975, have your expectations changed for the Philadelphia 76ers after what you've seen from the first nine games? Have, or are you the someone that's just like, shut up, dude. It's still early. Let's see this team in January when the, t- when the stretch gets tough, right? Let's see this team go on the road. Or are you someone out there that I don't even want to think about the playoffs right now. I'm just enjoying the moment. Or you want to, one of those people out there, uh, NBA still doesn't start till December, doesn't start till playoffs for the Sixers team. I'd love to hear from you. 610-632-0975. Before we get to the phones, we're going to get to the phones here in just a second to talk some Sixers with everybody out there. Joel Embiid was sitting at, his, at a chair, at his locker, whatever it is, post-game. And he was, he was questioned about Tyrese Maxey after the game, right? Obviously, Maxey's the story of the night, but you want to hear what the MVP has to say about Tyrese Maxey as, after he has a performance like that. And Joel Embiid has glowed about Tyrese Maxey since he's been here. He calls him the best player on the team, and everybody laughs when he does it, but he's like, I'm not kidding. Now, obviously, there's a little bit of tongue-in-cheek, right? We know Joel Embiid right now is a better player than Tyrese Maxey, but I think he says that not only to give Maxey the confidence in himself, because he truly believes, but because he truly believes that Maxi has the potential to be that type of player. Joel Embiid speaks glowingly about Tyrese Maxi every single time he speaks about him. He spoke again last night after Tyrese Maxi's performance, and he had this to say. He's something else, and, um, you know, starts with, you know, people like that. When you got people in the building, always smiling, you know, he's rare. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen him mad. Um, you know, usually for me in the mornings, I don't, I don't mess with one. I just, you know, him, you can come in at 7 in the morning, you know, smiling. I'm like, dude, you just woke up, like, why are you so happy? Um, you know, but that's always the same energy. doesn't change. Good, bad, good games, bad games, always the same. Uh, that smile and like I said when you got people you know people around like that especially you know um, when you know there's someone that high in the organization you know, it changes everything it sets the tone uh, for everyone else it changes everything it sets the tone for everything else now it's 
all well and good to be a guy who's always smiling and you're Garrett Stubbs, right? Where you're a backup catcher and you're, you're playing 40 games a season. It's another thing when it's Tyrese Maxey, when it's a dude you drafted in, uh, here a couple years ago and drafted here probably to be what? At first, maybe, like maybe an all-star type player when he's in his prime. I don't think when they drafted him, they expected this necessarily, at least this quickly, right? But it's different when it's Garrett Stubbs and when it's Tyrese Maxey or when it's a guy like Bryce Harper or Castellanos Schwarber, like the top guys you need performing that can also back up the good attitude that they have and back up the good energy that they bring and the good culture that they bring. But right now, and the reason that I'm so excited about this Sixers team is because you have culture setters with this team right now. One in Nick Nurse bringing his culture over, bringing his scheme over, and one in Tyrese Maxey. And you had him here, but you, he has free reign right now. He is the lead guy. Of course, Joel Embiid is MVP. He's the most, most important player. Maxey's your lead guy. He's your point guard. And Tyrese Maxey, Maxey was asked about this, and this was according to ESPN, I believe, on the Zach Lowe podcast. He had a quote, quote, I was prepared for one role if James Harden came back, and if he didn't, I was prepared to be the lead guard. Looks pretty damn prepared to me. And that's the biggest difference. That's why my expectations have changed a little bit. And that's why I believe that this ceiling is potentially raised if Tyrese Maxey can keep it up. Because his attitude and his energy is obviously carrying weight in that locker room. And he's obviously performing out on the court where it matters most. Has to keep it up. But man, what a start for Tyrese Maxey. 610-632-0975. Have your expectations changed at all for the Philadelphia 76ers? Nine games in? Or are you just one of those people? Hey, relax. I'm just enjoying the ride. It's early. Don't look too far ahead. If you're not one of those people, expectations changed. And also, if Maxey continues to play like this, has this team with this current roster, has this team's ceiling been raised? 610-632-0975. All right, let's open up the phone line. Start off in Doylestown and talk to Max. Max, how are you, man? Hey, good. How you doing? Good. Appreciate you calling. All right. Um, yeah, first thing about Tyrese Max is that the expectations have to change with him. I mean, you haven't seen him play like this in the playoffs yet. I mean, he's he's got seven assists a game, and he's only averaging like one turnover. And even last game, dude scored 50 points and only had two turnovers. Two turnovers, you yep. That, you don't see that turnover rate on like such high usage. It's insane. No, it's incredible, and that's a huge part of it. Now, listen, I don't know if it's necessarily something that's going to, going to necessarily like stay the same the entire season. You know, we might see that turnover rate bumped up a little bit, but yeah. from what we've seen so far, nine games in, being the lead point guard, averaging one point one turnovers per game, it's been pretty damn impressive. I, I can't believe it. And then looking back at the game, Maxi only shot three free throws, like forty seven points, just on the floor is. Exactly what you want to see, and if he's becoming a star player, you're going to see he's going to get some more star treatment and maybe get some more free throws down the line, but he's still making the name for himself. Yeah, he definitely is, and look, it helps. Obviously, Joel Embiid being the MVP of this team, being the main focal point of this team, but Tyrese Maxey just looks like a man on a mission, and he looks like a guy who's been unleashed, right? He looks like a guy who's maybe held back a little bit because of James Harden being here and being the main ball handler of this team, he's got free reign to do whatever he wants, and this team's winning with him having free reign. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And I mean, speaking of Joel Embiid, when was the last time you saw a team leave Joel Embiid um, open with just one man defending him in the post? They they had to the double-triple team Tyrese, leaving Embiid just alone. I, 
I can't remember seeing him with only one defender on him. It's crazy, Max. It really is. And thank you so much for the call. Really appreciate it. Yeah, look, I mean, when you're going that good, sometimes you got to shy off a, a double of Joel Embiid, right? Sometimes you should probably guard the guy who's got 47 on you. It's been really nice. It's been a great start to the Sixers season. Again, you could come on here and tell me, dude, shut up. It is November. We're not even 10 games into the year. Let's see it as the season goes along. And I'd say, I agree. I'm with you. Let's see it as the season goes along. We are a long, long way from the meat and bones of this season, right, to when it really matters. We're also a long, long way from the trade deadline. And this team has legit assets now. The Clippers are a dumpster fire. It's four games in. I'm not going to overreact. I think there should probably be some changes there. If I'm them, I'm looking to deal off a guy like Russell Westbrook because having him as a ball handler and James Harden being James Harden, right? Like, I don't necessarily know how that works. I don't know what they're thinking is, right? I think they're going to be a better team than they are right now. They're not going to go 0-75 or whatever whenever James Harden got there, right? You have a 2028 unprotected first-round pick, I believe it is, either 28 or 29 from the Los Angeles Clippers. Team looks like a mess, man. You have assets. That's the type of pick that late unprotected pick that gets you a legit player that gets you a guy like Levine or Ananobi or gets you a guy like Donovan Mitchell, right? That's the kind of pick that does that. And Oh, by the way, all the cap space that you're going to have, and that's the off season, right? But you have flexibility. Now that's the biggest thing. You have the deadline coming up and you have flexibility. This team has a lot to prove, but so far so good. And in my opinion, this team's in a really, really good spot, not just for right now, for the future as well and I could not have imagined myself saying that even just a couple weeks ago with all the drama that was going on with the Philadelphia 76 let's head back to the phones go to Elkins Park and talk to Ed Ed how are you how you doing he's the most exciting player I've ever seen live in sports last night when he made those uh blocks literally everybody just stood up and just erupted his nonstop movement his speed I you know I love Jalen Hurts and I love Bryce Harper, but the nature of basketball, he's out on the court all the time, or can be, and he's up and down, he's running and everything. He's exciting. As, he's like a rock star, <laughs> yes. and he's great. It, it's been a great start. It's been a great start. It has. He's so exciting. I mean, it's just he just brings people off their feet. I mean, he's like Iverson in that sense, and I think he might even surpass Iverson when he's done, which is saying a lot. Long way to go. I, I hate to react like that so far. Uh, this early on, excuse me, but I mean, like I said, I keep saying, so far, so good. He's impressed he me so no much. He has no fear. He has no fear. He will attack. When you add that that factor as well, he do, he's not going to, and he's only 6'2", and so to see him up against 6'8", 6'9", he don't care, and that makes it even more exciting because he's going up, you know, David and Goliath, literally, yeah, I mean, when you have a guy, and he's 23 years old, by the way, which is huge as well. Now, Dave, have the expectations changed? Has this ceiling, or this team ceiling been raised, or are you just, all right, it's too no, early they, on? They, they need another guard. Okay. They, need another, uh, they have to replace, what was the, the uh, starter they have? He has to be coming off the bench. Uh, Melton? And, yeah, they need a guard. They, if they can get an upgrade that position, a guard, uh, then I'll be, actually, I wouldn't mind having the, the guy who used to be here, from in, who's in Indiana? Uh, what was his name? Uh, McConnell, TJ McConnell. Yeah, I wouldn't mind having him back. Yeah, as a bad, you know, and Ed, thank you, appreciate it. Yeah, like look, look, this team needs more than a TJ McConnell. I like TJ McConnell a lot, and I think he'd actually do a pretty good job on this team. They have a back 
backup point guard now and, and Pe- Patrick Beverly. But listen, you, know, you never have enough ball handlers, right? You can never, never have enough guys off the bench. A um, couple things. He's not the most exciting player I've ever seen play live, I'll be honest. Um, Bryce Harper is more exciting in my opinion. Shohei Otani, pretty good also. Um, but I get what he's saying. It, it's hard, and I hate to bash. It sounds like I'm bashing Tyrese Maxey. I, just, I also hate to get too ahead of ourselves when it comes to Tyrese Maxey, and I do think we do that sometimes. He had also mentioned could be potentially better than Allen Iverson. Who knows? You never know what could happen, right? Allen Iverson's a Hall of Famer. Allen Iverson's one of the greatest players to ever lace up the sneakers and play basketball. Even we had Austin Crow, uh, no, not Austin Crow, excuse me, Paul Hudrick uh, earlier, it was last week, end of last week on the best show ever when Connor and I filled in. And, and Paul does an awesome job. Love following Paul's work, Liberty Ballers. He got into a conversation and he talked about Tyrese Maxey at this point in his career compared to Damian Lillard and Allen Iverson. And it sounded like he was saying that he's going to be better than those guys. And that's not what he was saying. He's just saying when you look at them in their age, 23 seasons, Tyrese Maxey's doing very similar things. Again, I don't look, like to look too far ahead. I don't like doing it with Alec Boehm, with Bryson Stott. I don't like doing it with any of the players here. Jalen Hurts, oh, is he going to be the greatest Eagles quarterback ever? I don't care. If he is, awesome. We'll have that conversation later. I don't look like, like to look too far ahead. And I also don't like to get in over our heads a little bit. We're, I think we still have to pump the brakes a little bit on Maxie. We have to see him to do it throughout a full season. We have to see what happens if the NBA adjusts, right? If the NBA adjusts, and obviously he's been in the league for three years, but adjusts as him as the main ball handler, as the point guard of this team, right? We'll see. There's other good coaches out there. It's just not all Nick Nurse is the only good coach in the NBA. We shall see. And, of course, the biggest thing, he has to do it come playoff time. This team loses in a couple months in game six of the Eastern Conference semifinals, and they get blown out. We're probably having a different conversation. So I don't like to get too far ahead, and I still think we have to temper the expectations a little bit. But... I like where the positivity is when it comes to the Philadelphia 76ers so far this season from the city. Something I was not expecting this early on. Not expecting. Not not just for me, because I wasn't expecting it. I told everybody out there. I've said this before. But I wasn't expecting to see and hear the excitement that we're uh, having about the Philadelphia 76ers right now from everybody out there. Twitter, phone calls, tweets, texts, right? In the stadium. Place is getting a little bit more and more packed every single night. I love the energy that this team has right now. And it's, of course, capped off by Nick Nurse and Tyrese Maxey being culture changers for this Philadelphia 76ers team. 610-632-0975. Going to continue the Sixers talk. Going to continue the Tyrese Maxey love. On the other side, I do want to open up some Philadelphia Eagles conversations as well. Because bye week's over. We're on to Kansas City. Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles match up. One week from today, almost one week and a couple hours from today, we will be just about at kickoff. But I want to look back a little bit over from what we from what we saw over the weekend. Eagles had a bye week. Some people out there enjoyed it. Stress-free Sunday, right? I'm curious what you learned about the Philadelphia Eagles from watching the rest of the NFL. Two things stood out to me from watching the rest of the NFL on Sunday, yesterday, without Philadelphia Eagles football. I'll tell you what they are, and I'd love to hear yours on the other side. 610-632-0975. Tom Alvord, Matt Menard, producing, producer extraordinaire. We'll hear from him throughout the show. And on the other side, got you till 10 o'clock. Philly Sports Tonight, right here, 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. Philly Sports Tonight. 97.5 The Fanatic. And 97.5 TheFanatic.com.
97.5 The Fanatic. Tom Alvord, Matt Menark. Gosh, until 10 o'clock. Philly Sports tonight. 610-632-0975. Starting the show, talking all things Sixers. Very excited about what I've seen from the Philadelphia 76ers so far this season. Something I was not expecting in the slightest, at least this early on. And, of course, gushing over Tyrese Maxey, who has a 50-burger last night. Just goes insane, looking like a player that is going to be an all-star this season. Looking like a player that might start in the all-star game if we keep this up. If he keeps this up, excuse me. Uh, But, again, it's a long way away. I want to know the expectations that you have on the Philadelphia 76ers and if they've changed and just a little bit of Tyrese Maxey appreciation, because I mentioned it. Just imagine this team, this franchise without Tyrese Maxey. It's still not perfect. Still need to work on some things. I get it. This, uh, Tyrese Maxey, shout out to Mike Muscala that he actually talked about last night, by the way, when he was asked about it. He was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. I've heard it before. I feel like I hear it every like twice a month or something like that. And he says, I love being here. Kind of paraphrasing here, but he said, I love being here, so I appreciate Mike Muscala. If you don't know, Mike Muscala hits a couple threes that led to the draft pick going to the Philadelphia 76ers, where they draft Tyrese Maxey. Shout out to how the season went that year in college basketball and not having a tournament, right? Because if COVID doesn't hit, and I'm not saying all good for COVID or anything like that. No, not at all. Very serious subject. But Tyrese Maxey, if that season is a normal NCAA season, Tyrese Maxey is probably a top 10 pick. Should be a top 10 pick because when you look back at that draft, the only ones that you can say are definitely better than Tyrese Maxey, Anthony Edwards, who is going to be a star, a star in this league, and I love watching Anthony Edwards. Tyrese Halliburton, a great, great player. You can put him up there in the conversation. LaMelo Ball, of course, when he's healthy. Um, But Tyrese Maxey's right up there in that conversation. He is, and the best player in that draft. So if you ask me, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Great pick by Daryl Morey. I'm going to give him credit for that. He had to make the pick. A little bit of luck, him falling to 21, where you could have had guys like Zeke and Aji, who is fellow 20, who's at 22, who I've never heard of before. My apologies if he's actually like a role player and you're yelling at me that I don't know ball. Could have had Zeke and Aji, who went 22, or Leandro Balmaro, who went 23. Even a Peyton Pritchard, who I like. He's a nice bench piece for the Celtics. Uh, yeah, he's not Tyrese Maxey. So be fortunate out there, right? It's not all great and grand. There's still some still some stains on the 70, 76ers franchise. But to be thankful for a dude like Tyrese Maxey because I could not imagine where this franchise would be without him. 610-632-0975. We're going to discuss the 76ers more as we go along. But I do want to open up a little bit of Philadelphia Eagles conversation because, as you all know, at the bye week, no Philadelphia Eagles football yesterday. And to some of you out there, it was probably, man, this sucks. I can't wait to watch the Eagles again. And I, I had that feeling as well. I love watching the Eagles every single week. But as someone who is in this industry, Tunis and Ray talk about it all the time, 10 to 2. We work Sundays. Philadelphia Eagles games, we are working. We're not able to sit out there at the tailgates and enjoy all that stuff, right? Whether you're doing pregame like Tunis, whether you're doing early in the day like Ray or even post-post game like Ray, or whether you're Connor and I doing post-game. And I'm not complaining about working Sports radio talking about the Philadelphia Eagles. That's not what I'm doing. But sometimes you enjoy the bye week a little bit more than you would if you weren't in sports radio, right? Or in the in this industry or a similar type of industry. But miss my Eagles, obviously. It was nice to just have a stress-free Sunday. And I think that's what it was for a lot of people out there. A stress-free Sunday where you didn't have to worry about the Philadelphia Eagles almost blowing it to the Dallas Cowboys or Sam Howell dropping 31 points on you, right? You just got to enjoy the NFL. So we've discussed this a lot throughout the station today, right? 
bye week, what you've learned from the bye week, what you stood out to you most from the bye week. I'm going to tell you what stood out most to me because there were a couple things that I was looking for in this bye week. The two biggest things that stood out to me watching these other teams in the NFL during this Eagles bye week was this. The first one. Man, the 49ers are a good football team. Now look, NFC, all of your competitors played really, really well yesterday. You had the Lions, who were in a shootout with the ja- uh, Chargers, excuse me. Shootout with the Chargers. So that was an awesome game. That's the 4 o'clock window, and no one watched the 8 o'clock game until unless like you play some bets or at Fantasy Guys, right? No one was voluntarily watching Jets and Raiders. Not even fans of those teams were watching that game. So that was pretty much like the last hurrah for football last night. Awesome game. Lions find a way to squeak by and win. 41 points they drop on the Chargers' head. heads. They get a win. Look at a team like the Cowboys going up against Danny DeVito. 49 points. They win 49-17. to 17. They look dominant as well. But the thing that stood out to me the most, the 49ers are a damn good football team. They are. I still think the Philadelphia Eagles can beat the 49ers any given Sunday. I still think the Philadelphia Eagles are a better team than the 49ers. And they absolutely have an advantage in the most important position in all of sports, the quarterback position, and a wide margin, in my opinion. But, man, I thought that was going to be the game of the day. 49ers, Jaguars, both come... Jaguars, excuse me. Someone yelling at their radio. 49ers, Jaguars, supposed to be the game of the day. Two teams coming off their buys. Two teams with 6-2. and two. One was 6-2, and two, and one was 5-3 and three coming into those games. Two of the top teams in their conferences. 49ers, they wiped, wiped the floor with them. It wasn't even close. That game was ugly. That game was embarrassing for Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. 49ers win 34-3. to And you see what this team looks like when they have a healthy squad. Debo Samuel obviously missed a little bit of time. He was back. Put up 69 yards. Nice. Oh, 59, excuse me. Not nice. 59 yards total and had a touchdown. He does it with his legs, and he does it through the air. Debo Samuel fully healthy. And, of course, Trent Williams, the left tackle, one of the best left tackles, one of the best tackles in all of football. He's healthy. You see how dominant that team can be. And they go down there, and they wipe the floor with a good Jaguars team. Now, I still think the Jaguars are a little bit overrated. Trevor Lawrence hasn't had the season that a lot of us were expecting, and we were having rankings where Trevor Lawrence was ahead of Jalen Hurts after, like, 10 good games, and I'm sitting here like, yo, just relax a little bit. He's still got some stuff to prove. Still needs a lot more to prove from the start of the season that he's had so far this year. But that's a good Jaguars team, and that's a good quarterback and a good head coach in Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence. Maybe not as good as a lot of people are saying, but still a good team at home. And the 49ers made it. It wasn't even a contest. 34-3. to That's the biggest thing that stood out to me. 49ers looking like a dominant, dominant football team. The other thing. Before I present my question. It's okay if quarterbacks have down weeks. It's going to happen. I know we want Jalen Hurts to be perfect. Right? I know we want him to go 40 for 40 with 500 yards and six touchdowns every single week. I do too. If he does that, I would love it. Great. It's not going to happen. These guys miss throws. These guys have bad weeks. These guys have bad drives. It happens every single week. And I think sometimes we get caught up with obsessing over Jalen Hurts and his play. As we should. He's the quarterback of our of the Philadelphia Eagles, the number one franchise in the city, right? As we should. But I think the over-criticism, I don't like. Oh, he missed this throw. He missed this throw. He missed that throw. Everybody misses throws. Oh, he had a bad game. He had two bad games in a row. What's going on here? Everybody has bad games. I'll point to a couple when it comes to top-tier quarterbacks in this league or top-ish tier quarterbacks in this league. One I mentioned, Trevor Lawrence. 
who I don't believe is on Jalen Hurts' level yet. He could get there, depending on how this season finishes out. But a lot of people were putting him on that level right away after 10 games. Trevor Lawrence is still a good quarterback. 185 yards, two interceptions, took five sacks, a QBR of 15 yesterday. QB rating of 48.8. And it's a good, it's a good 49ers defense. I get that. Terrible day from Trevor Lawrence. It happens. Another one. Joe Burrow, one of my favorite quarterbacks in this league. Maybe the second best quarterback on planet Earth right now, other than Patrick Mahomes. Joe Burrow, he played well when you look at the stats, right? 347 yards and two touchdowns. He had two big, big interceptions late in that game. And it ends up costing him as the Texans, who we'll get into the other quarterback, CJ Stroud, a little bit later on. We do the around the NFL because, whoa, look out for that guy. Sorry, Panthers. That sucks. Um, But Joe Burrow, two big interceptions late. Bad throws, bad reads late. And I get it. He was without T. Higgins. T. Higgins is a very good receiver in this league. Guys are hurt all the time, right? T. Higgins has been banged up a lot in his career. You hope he stays healthy, but guys are going to be out. Guys are going to get hurt. How do you respond? Joe Burrow is still a damn good quarterback. Maybe the second best quarterback on planet Earth, like I mentioned. He had a bad game. It happens. So those are the two biggest things that stood out to me. Below average, I'll say, quarterback play. Happens from top-tier quarterbacks. It's okay if Jalen Hurts has a down week. It's okay. I promise. And the other thing, and this is the main thing that I want to talk about. The 49ers look like a juggernaut when they are clicking on all cylinders. Now, we've seen some ups and downs from the 49ers. This is a team that lost three straight coming into this week. Dominated Jacksonville yesterday. Absolute domination. Wasn't even close. So the main thing I want to ask for you out there, it's 610-632-0975. What is the biggest thing, the number one thing that stood out to you the most when watching the rest of the NFL this week while the Philadelphia Eagles had their bye? And the second thing, who is the biggest threat to the Philadelphia Eagles, not for the one seed, in the NFC to reach a Super Bowl? Because the one seed, we'll have that conversation as the season goes along, right? We know this stretch coming up for the Eagles, and we know how favorable it is for teams like the Detroit Lions, who look like a very good team as well, right? That's not the conversation I want to have right now. The conversation I want to have after being able to take a step back, being able to take a fresh breath and just watch the NFL, who stood out to you the most in the NFC? Who do you think is the number one threat for the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC when it comes to reaching a Super Bowl? Come playoff time. 610-632-0975. Because even though the Cowboys look good, even though the Lions look good, that 49ers team, man, I've been saying it all year long. Even when they lost three straight, Connor and I had a conversation. I asked him. It was postgame. I asked him, who are you worried about most in the NFC? He said the Cowboys. I said, I disagree. I think it's the 49ers. Because, yes, they still have a question mark at the quarterback position, right? Brock Purdy has looked very, very good, and he's looked not so good so far. And he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt of being a number one overall draft pick or a first-round quarterback or even second-round quarterback, right? Like Hurts, Burrow, Lawrence, Mahomes do. No, he's a Mr. Irrelevant. He's the last pick in the draft, the seventh rounder, right? So we still need to see more of him before we can start talking about him like a top-tier quarterback in the NFC, right? But, man, when that team is clicking and clicking on all cylinders, that is a scary football team. Still feel good about the Eagles. They got to be playing their best football in a couple weeks when they face off against the 49ers and especially come postseason time where they're more likely than not going to see the 49ers. But, man, that is a good football team. That's the biggest thing that stood out to me. The San Francisco 49ers look like a wagon when they are clicking on all cylinders. And to me, that's the Eagles' number one threat in the NFC. What say you? 610-632-0975. Let's head back to the phones. Talk to Andrew in Phoenixville. Andrew, appreciate you waiting, buddy. How are you? Good evening. How are you? Doing well. Thank you. I enjoy watching 
uh, the 76ers play now. Um, they are just having so much fun out there, and they seem relaxed. They don't seem uh, that they have a cancer anymore or a drama anymore on that team. Uh, they just seem like they know what they're doing, and they know how to go out and play ball and win games. And it, it really uh, begs the question that – what was Doc Rivers not doing last year to push the buttons of Tobias Harris or when Maxie was on the floor or when, uh, you know, Joel Embiid was on the floor? Because it seemed like Nick Nurse is pushing all these buttons that new buttons that we haven't seen from these three in quite a while. Now, I will say this, Andrew, real quick. It does help not having James Harden here, right? Like, I can't place all the blame on Rivers because of the type of player James Harden is where he needs to have the ball, dribble, dribble, dribble. There's not a lot of ball movement. I th- Nick Nurse is a better coach than Doc Rivers. I believe that. But I'm not going to place all the blame on Rivers. I think Harden deserves some as well. No, absolutely. Because as I've seen in the last nine games, there is a abundance of sharing the ball to everybody. And... That is what makes a successful team. And I can only imagine, and I'm only going to get more excited as the season goes on because with the growth of Maxi, even at 23, he is going to take another couple big steps, I believe, this year. And with the play of Tobias Harris and even off the bench, they are doing well. So that's my thought process. I'm, I'm, my expectations are high for this team to do very well uh, this season. Uh, in terms of the Eagles, uh, you know, I'm excited for this game coming up. I wonder how uh, the adversity of the uh, tight end position will handle with, I believe sure. it's Stoll, is it? S-T-O-L-L. Yeah, Jack Stoll, yep. Um, how he's going to be able to handle more snaps. Um, and... I'm just looking forward to, you know, seeing this game on Monday night because, you know, obviously it's a rematch of the Super Bowl, um, but it could be uh, some uh, things to come, uh, come down in February. But the biggest threat, I think, to the Eagles are uh, the 49ers, but we've beaten them before. So maybe not as big as a threat, but definitely with the Lions, the way that Campbell is coaching that team and bringing that team up, that's amazing how well he's turned that program around. Sure, uh, to to turn into what a six and six and two team, seven and two so, maybe I think seven and two. Um, so they are just really really good, and I would not be surprised if this continues that uh, the Lions get into the playoffs deep into the playoffs, maybe even get to the Super Bowl in the next five years if if Campbell does his way with that team sure andrew i love it thank you so much for joining us man appreciate it have a good night thank you yeah lions they look like a good football team they do now i still have questions about jared goff come postseason time i do um and obviously i guess you kind of have to have questions about that defense after justin herbert drops 38 points on you at classic chargers too (laughs) we've seen that game the past Feels like my entire adult life the past 10 years with the Chargers. They have a great quarterback. They have a great offense, right? They just can't get over the hump, and it's always something. It's always something. They always lose that game. Uh, The Lions look good. They do, and they're going to put up a damn good fight against the Eagles if they see them in the playoffs, especially 
if that game's in Detroit, which there's a very big possibility of that happening, just like the Cowboys are going to put up a good fight against the Philadelphia Eagles come postseason time. And, of course, Christmas, I believe. Is that Christmas? Right right for Regardless, a little bit later on in the season when they face the uh, Dallas Cowboys in the regular season. But I don't think they're going to put up as big of a fight as the 49ers. And not to mention the revenge factor when it comes to the 49ers that they have on the Philadelphia Eagles. There's a couple good teams in the NFC. There is. Even the Seahawks are a good team as well. They didn't have as, as great of a game, as pretty as a game, as they go 29-26 to 26 over the Commanders. We know how pesky the Commanders can be here in Philadelphia, but that's still a team that's 6-3 and three on the year that when they're playing good football, they can give you a good fight as well. But to me, it's 49ers. They're the biggest threats of the Eagles in the NFC. And to me, it's not particularly close from the way that they played yesterday. 610-632-0975. Uh, let's head over to Bethlehem. Talk to Dantes. Dantes, how are you? Oh, what's up, man? How are you? Good. Appreciate you calling. Oh, man, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Sure. Uh, so I just wanted to touch base on Tyrese Maxey. What an exciting time to be a Sixer fan. What an exciting one-two punch we have in Philadelphia. And, you know, from any failure, I feel there is some clarity behind it, you know. And after our failure uh, in the second round, losing to the Celtics, I, I, called, I called this show and I said, you know what, guys? The the there's an addition by subtraction, and that addition is going to be Tyrese Maxey. Once we get rid of James Harden, he will rise up. Okay, I didn't expect it to happen this quickly. Um, you know, nine games into the season, but wow, I'm with you. That 50 point performance where he got the rest of his teammates involved, at scoring 50 points, but still getting the team involved. Uh, you know the 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 ball movement, the tracking down a defend uh, the offensive player yep. and blocking that shot. Effort on defense, absolutely. And, you know, and then at the end of the game, that smile and you know, uh, you know, uh, his best regards to Kelly Oubre. You know, um, it, we got something special here. I, it's so special, guys, that I actually uh, got got season tickets. Okay, is that right? Tonight, I got season tickets tonight. Wife doesn't know about it yet. I'm going to go home and let her know. But I got season tickets, okay? And uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Listen, man, I love that. Now, which is crazy because I feel like a lot of people are on your side. Now, I don't know if necessarily everyone bought season tickets, but, like, I came into this season thinking I'm really not going to care, which sucks because I love the Sixers. I care, and I care a lot from what I've seen from nine games in. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's other Sixers fans out there that have, were unsure coming in but are like you and, all right, I'm buying in. I'm watching every game. Or I'm even buying season tickets like you did. I'll be honest. If Harden was still on the Sixers, uh, you know, it's like that definition of insanity, repeating your failures and expecting different results. Well, guess what? If he was on this team, I wouldn't watch a game. I don't think I'd be involved and, and disinterested. And I've been a lifelong Sixer fan. But, you know, he just you see it now on the Clippers, their own four. When somebody's that ball dominant and they're not getting everybody else involved, it's a problem. You know, it's a problem. Now, listen, we had a good season last year regardless. I don't want to uh, dwell on the past. The future's Maxi. you know, uh, and B called him the franchise last night, yep. you know? I feel like he's taking a little emphasis off himself and, you know, dishing it off to, to, to Tyrese. But, you know, uh, it's a team we can really get behind, and it's an exciting time. So thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, you know, go Sixers. Dantes, I appreciate it. Good luck with that conversation with your wife, man. Let me know how that goes. That's a tough one, you know. Hey, honey, I made a big purchase, and I didn't tell you about it. But listen, listen, hey, you're excited about the Sixers. I don't blame you. She can go to the games with you as long as you take her a couple. That's all. She'll enjoy it. But, yeah, man, that, that like, 
That's what this Sixers team is doing to this city right now. Long ways to go. Going to continue to say it. Only nine games, six of them at home. A lot more to prove. I get it. But nobody or very few people out there, I think, saw the Sixers hitting the ground running quite like they have so far this early on in the season. 610-632-0975. He mentioned something there about this team being better without James Harden. I feel like a lot of people share that sentiment, share that same thought process from what they've seen nine games in. I want to discuss that a little bit more on the other side. And I also want to talk about the coordinators for the Philadelphia Eagles for the second half of the season. We've done conversations about MVP of the first half, who's been better first half grades, all that good stuff. Let's start to look ahead a little bit to the second half of the season. And I want to talk about offensive coordinator Brian Johnson and defensive coordinator Sean Desai on the other side. Plus, on the other side, we will... Talk to Matt Menark, producer extraordinaire, for the first time because I want to get his thoughts on everything we've discussed so far. 610-632-0975. Tom Alvord filling in for Connor Thomas. Philly Sports Tonight right here, 97.5 Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. The real and inside story on the Eagles, the Phillies, the Sixers, and the Flyers. Philly Sports Tonight continues on 97.5 The Fanatic and 97.5 TheFanatic.com. Fanatic. Tom Alvord, Matt Menard, hanging out with you. Philly Sports Tonight on a Monday. On a football Monday, by the way. Football Monday on the Fanatic is presented by Pierce Phelps Bryant's Heating and Air Conditioning Contractors. Visit nopaybryant.com for flexible spending options on a new heating and cooling system. Football Monday, as it is every Monday here on the Fanatic. Been getting into a lot tonight, talking a lot of Tyrese Maxey, a lot of the Philadelphia 76ers. I have a question that a caller brought up that I want to get to in just a second. Also been talking a lot of Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to be joined by Jeff Kerr from CBS, a sports NFL writer for CBS, who does a tremendous, tremendous job. He'll be joining us in about, about 40 minutes or so, a little bit less than 40 minutes. Excited to talk to him. Had to give him the bye week off, right? We did it to all the football writers here and the Fanatic. Middays, John Cade show, best show ever. No football last week, at least for the beat writers, at least for the reporters, right? We were still talking football. It's never a bye week for us, but giving the guys off, everyone does a tremendous job. Excited to talk to Jeff because now it's time. Bye week's done. Fun's over. Now we get back to business, right? So we're going to talk to him in a little bit. Um, one thing, though, can I say? We're almost, we're almost, we almost made it. The worst week when it came to primetime games that I can remember in a long time long time for the NFL. Now, look, I work nights. I work 6 to 10 a lot. Sixers games doing this show, obviously. Philly Sports Tonight producing. So, half the time, I don't see anything until, like, we'll watch it as the night goes on. I'll have it on the TV. I'll look up every now and then, right? But not a ton. You're just kind of, it's there. It's on just to be on. But I get home usually around, like, 11 or so. Be able to catch the last, like, 10 minutes of the fourth quarter. It's great. Uh, I'll be honest. Not the... Wasn't really paying attention all that much. Sunday night, last night, Thursday night. Thursday night, Bears and Panthers. Bajant versus Bryce Young, who, you know, to be honest, doesn't look like C.J. Stroud. I'll say that in a Panthers offense that doesn't look all that great. Ugly, ugly game. Not even 30 points in that game or just over, if anything. Last night, Las Vegas Raiders and the... Um, New York Jets. I don't even remember. That's how bad it was. Ugly, ugly game where the Jets are just an absolute mess. We'll talk about them a little bit later on on the uh, on the offensive end. At least they're a mess. We'll talk about that little 
a little bit later on when we get to around the NFL. Ugly, ugly game last night where unless you had fantasy or betting implications, you were not watching that game. Very few of you out there. And it rounds out tonight where you get the Buffalo Bills, right? Not bad. Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. You get the Denver Broncos, who have looked better as of late. Not the complete dumpster fire that we thought they were going to be when they started the season, what, 0-3 or 0-4 or something like that. So you get uh, Russell Wilson. They beat the Chiefs a couple weeks ago. He looks good. I believe they're coming off a bye. I think they had a bye week last week. There's some, there's something there, a little bit of something, but an ugly, ugly week for primetime games. And we are blessed because in a couple days, we're going to be getting Bengals-Ravens, which I cannot wait for. Awesome. So we made it. Good job for all you out there. So it's a great time because that's not a great game tonight either. Hang out with us here on Philly Sports Tonight as we talk about a little bit of everything in the world of Philadelphia sports. 610-632-0975. All right. Before I get into this Eagles discussion and before I touch on what uh, Dantez said on the other side or in the past segment, I want to welcome in our second member of the show, producer extraordinaire, does a fantastic job, Stat Menark, Matt Menark. Matty, what's up, buddy? Thanks, man. How you feeling? A little stuffy, here. but I'm good. Good. You're powering I'm, I'm through. good to go. Yeah, that's what we, that's what we got to do. Is this your flu game? Is that what you're calling it? Uh, yeah, sure. All right, we'll, we'll go, go with that. With that. Um, yeah, it's that kind of season, right? Or it's that kind of time of year, right, where everyone's getting sick. sick. But, hey, listen, you power through, and I respect it. So, I'll ask you the two things that I asked and the main two topics of our show this evening. First one, Tyrese Maxey, that dude is that dude's something else, man. So I had, obviously, reaction to last night, what you saw. And then I want to uh, touch on a little bit uh, the expectations. And if your expectations have been raised when it comes to what you're watching for from Philadelphia 76ers for the rest of the season. Watching that game last night, I mean, that was the first game that I actually got to watch the whole season because in one way or another, was working the game. So I never got to really focus on it. And that was the perfect one. And Not a bad one. Just everything he does, the the blocks, the the little floaters, the every everything. It's like he he has a mission going when he crosses half court and what he wants to do, he does. I mean, he is completely locked in right now, and he's only getting better. I don't think there's any reason that we should pump the brakes at all on the excitement for Maxi, because the sky's the limit for this guy, and I think it's a lot. Just just like how I feel like the sky could be the limit for Jalen Hurts. It could be the same for Maxi. And the, the biggest reason, I think, is their work ethic. These guys strive to be better. I'm sure Maxi's hyped that he scored 50, but he's probably thinking in his head, what would I have to do to score 60? Or I didn't have enough assists last night or something. Right. Like <laughs> you know, yeah. These guys always want to get better. And that's why I think, to me, I think, you the ceiling is or the expectation should be a little higher because you know why wouldn't they be they're playing ridiculously well i mean this is i don't think we need we might need another player another piece but i sure as hell don't think we need another star that's something we're going to talk about a little later on so bookmark that hang on to that because i'm going to discuss that i'll react to what you said you mentioned the blocks and uh sean bernard good buddy of mine friend of the show friend of the program Tyrese Maxey has nine blocks this season. He had eight all of last year. He's already surpassed his blocks. He had three last night to go along with 50 points. 
Fearless is a word that I would describe Tyrese Maxey, right? Fearless, and now he has free reign. He's always been fearless. He was fearless his rookie year when he came in and had a great game. I think it was against the Heat in the playoffs. Don't quote me. But he showed some signs in the playoffs. Even as a rookie, he wasn't getting a ton of time. He was fearless then. He's still fearless now, but he has free reign, and he's confident in himself, right? And he's getting the ability to do it, and he's getting the free will to be able to do what he wants out there on the basketball court. But what I will say when it comes to – I say pump the brakes when it comes to the comparisons to Lillard and Iverson, and this team's no doubt going to the championship. I'm not doing any of that right now. I'm enjoying the moment. But I'll be honest, my expectations have raised a little bit in the last – from what I've seen in the first nine games of the season, if they keep this up. But I can't sit here and have the Iverson comparisons and Lillard comparisons. There's still a long, long way to go before I'm doing that. Oh, yeah, yeah. One-on-one individual comparisons to other players – Not even worried about that right now. I mean, because if he continues at this pace in a couple years, then that stuff could start. But as far as the team, what Nick Nurse is doing with this team, I mean, of course, they're not going to go 81 and one. They're going to hit a skid at some point. But it's a matter of how they bounce back. Same with Maxi. He's going to hit. He's going to get into a, a little slump. It's just a matter of how he bounces back as well. Because last year, he went into a little shooting slump, and it got in his head a lot. Yeah, yeah. I'm early on in the season, I think it yeah. was. Yeah, and I think I think he's in a different mindset now. He, it's, it's a different environment because Nurse and not Doc, and there's no Harden. But he just seems so locked in. The, the biggest thing I was worried about early on in his career was he was too fast for his own good. Yeah, yeah. Now he just seemed he's safe just as fast, but he's more under control. Controlled, yep, yep. I mean, th- this guy, his work ethic, I think, is the reason why I don't think they're – I'm not saying, like, Iverson's his ceiling, but – You see flashes. I see flashes, and I think his ability and his his will to maybe get that high – Maybe individually not as good as Iverson, but good enough to maybe help this team get over the top. And you mentioned something, and it's something I touched on a little bit early on in the show. Him and Jalen Hurts, the comparison, it really they really are like the same type of guy, right? Diff- very different personalities, at least what they show to the media. Night and day, yeah. Yes, where Maxie's all smiles and having the time. Is, and they're very similar of age, right? Maxie's 23, and I believe Jalen's 24, 25, top of my head. Yeah. Um, very different personalities on camera that they show you. Now, we've seen some behind-the-scenes stuff. Like I always mention, go back and listen to the New Heights podcast with Jalen Hurts from a couple years ago. That is not the same Jalen Hurts you see at the podium, but that's the Jalen Hurts that you see that the teammates see in the locker room, right? But they are very, very similar type of players. Where, And I had very, very similar type of doubts about the two of them. Jalen Hurts, love the work ethic, fantastic, great story, right? Underdog kind of mentality. Had some questions about his physical limitations and physical capabilities, right? I didn't know if he would ever turn into the consistent passer that he has. He absolutely has, right? Went over the doubters, right? Conquered the doubters, all of them out there. Tyrese Maxey, similar type kind of situation. Hell of a worker. Very, very hard working dude. Great work ethic. Have some physical limitations. Obviously not throwing the football, but because he's a guy who's 6'3 and what, like 190 pounds, right? It's tough. There's a guy, there's trees. Victor Wembanyama's 7'5 right now, right? It's tough when you're that type of player. And he still needs to do some work on defense and, of course, continue to grow as a point guard. But another one who has seen doubters in his life. And I, I've, been, I've been a doubter on both of them for one way or another. Very, very happy they're here. 
as are pretty much everybody in the city, I had my doubts about Jalen Hurts and him becoming a thrower. He proved to me and proved everyone in Philadelphia he could do that consistently. I had my doubts, and I still do when it comes to Maxie about being the second best player on the championship team. I'm not ready to go there yet. But I had my doubts about Tyrese Maxie being a number two or even a number three on a championship team. From what I've seen so far this season, nine games in, he's looking to prove me wrong just like Jalen Hurts did. Yeah, and his personality and greatness is contagious. And when he's playing great, everybody wants – they don't want to let somebody like that down. So that raises everybody else's game. It's it's just – it's ridiculous how fun – it's only been nine games. And it's it's exciting. It's fun to watch. I didn't think – I thought the the Sixers would be better than a lot of people thought. I didn't think that, okay, they're going to be – you know, championship contenders, but I didn't think that they'd be like a, a six or seven seed. I thought they'd still be in the top part of the Eastern Conference, but this this is blowing my mind. I mean... Me and you both, buddy. It's crazy what we're seeing here from so, the Sixers. It's so team. awesome. Yeah, man, it's awesome. All right, uh, Birds, how was your bye week? What were you looking for? What's the biggest thing that stood out to you on an Eagles bye week with no Eagles football? If Brock Purdy doesn't turn the ball over, they win. Every game that he's thrown an interception, they've lost. Every game that he hasn't, they've won. So I'm not uh, – Niners' defense is going to be a concern no matter what. And now that they add Chase Young, it's even more of a concern. Yeah, there was a sack where Bosa and Young both had a sack on the same play, and you're just like, That's my just not goodness. Fair. Yeah, how, how are you supposed to defend that? But I think the key to the 49ers is forcing the ball, forcing – Brock Purdy to make mistakes because that's those three losses. They scored 17 points in each of those games because Brock Purdy turned the ball over. But yeah, I think I'm not so worried about the the Cowboys. I mean, they're, they ran, they ran the score up on, on a a terrible giants team. I mean, if you speaking real quick, speaking of running the floor, a score up, how about San Fran trying to get McCaffrey? That That was, that was not, that was bad. Right? Fourth and goal. And we didn't hear a thing about it on national television, on ESPN or Fox Sports or anything like that. If the Eagles did that, that would have been the talk of the town, right? Oh, they're running the score up class. Oh, yeah. No one's talking about that. I get it. McCaffrey's going for a touchdown record or whatever, 18 straight games. You're up five touchdowns. You're embarrassing a team, and you're putting Christian McCaffrey in late and just feeding on the ball. I did not think that was a good look, me personally. I'm not even saying it just because oh, it's the 49ers. I I did not like that. I yeah. don't think that's a good. Look. I mean, we, we'd be bad if the Eagles did that. We'd be bashing yeah. them too. Because no, we would. That's classless. It feels that way. Yeah, we would be all over Nick Sirianni if he did that for DeAndre Swift or Devontae Smith. Yeah, there was like no that. reason for that. All yeah, right. I just had to get that out of there, regardless. No, Continue. but you're absolutely right. Yeah, that that was that was horrible. But yeah, as far as the Cowboys, I'm not too worried about them. Um, if you look at it, and I wanted to see just how. The difference is if you take those two Giants games away from the Cowboys, uh, with the Giants game, they give up at 18.3 points a game. You take those games out, they give up 21.1 points a game. That's the same as the Eagles, That's basically. They score almost 30 points a game with those Giants games in there. Take those out, that's 25 and a half points. So, yeah, it's a little, their numbers are a little inflated because of those two games. I'm not saying that they're going to be a pushover, but I'm not as worried about them as I am the Niners. They, they're they're going to be the number one concern for the rest of the season. The Niners are, right? Niners, yeah, yeah. that's how I feel. Yeah, when it comes to the Cowboys, now look, they showed me a lot in that game against the Eagles. They surprised me. I did not think that they were going to be 
And and look, it's the regular season, but I, I saw a lot of good things in the, from the Dallas Cowboys that I haven't seen in previous years from the Cowboys uh, consistently in a regular season, especially in that Eagles game, right? Dak Prescott looks like a better quarterback this season. He just does much better than he was last year. The thing for me, and you are correct, this it's like the classic Cowboys where they have these type of games against inferior opponents where they just go crazy and they dominate. And you're like, wow, this, this Dallas Cowboy, ESPN can't wait. Oh, my goodness, we get to talk about the Cowboys. Is this the best team in the NFL, right? But then they can put together some stinkers like they did against the San Francisco 49ers, right? Like they did against the Cardinals. And every team's going to have stinkers. But, like, when it matters the most, when they finally start to get to momentum, right, they kind of get in their own way, trip over their own feet. With the Cowboys, I've said it all season long, I'm going to be consistent with it. I'm not fearing that team come postseason time until they give me a reason to. They never do it. It's the same team every year. They're going to win games. It wouldn't shock me if they beat the Eagles in a couple weeks. Wouldn't shock me at all, right? Going to Dallas, they played them well. I just, going into the playoffs, it's going to be a great game. We're going to talk about it like crazy. You always are just waiting for them to find a way to trip over the feet because they have year and year again, time and time again. Every year, yeah. We always talk about, oh, Eagles, Cowboys, playoff matchup, but the Cowboys never make it that far for it to happen. Because something always happens. Yeah. And, yeah, Dak does look good, but he's going to be Dak at some point in the season because he's inconsistent throughout his whole career. Yep. And I know that they're they're trying to uh, – it, it seems like the last couple weeks they're trying to get CeeDee Lamb on the level of A.J. Brown because they're feeding him the ball. He said he's the best receiver in football, by the way. CeeDee Brown. Oh, CeeDee Brown. CeeDee Lamb did. Oh, okay. good for he! Congratulations, CD. Okay, uh, hell of a player he is. He is, but you know, there, there's a couple other guys that I would still take over him. Agreed. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't fear anybody in the in the South. I mean, oh my God, uh, Lions would be the only one. I think that the only ones that really could give them any type of a challenge is the Niners, Cowboys, and the Lions offense. Not defense. I think that I think if it was the Eagles Lions playoff game, it might be like the Lions game yesterday. Yeah, it might be that type of game. Yeah, yeah. I think, and it'll go. It goes back to the quarterback position, right? And it goes back to not being able to prove it in the playoffs. Dallas Cowboys, good quarterback. When he's on, he's one of the better ones in the NFC. One of the better ones in the NFL. Inconsistencies, especially come playoff time. Then you look at the head coach and Mike McCarthy, who other than Aaron Rodgers, probably should have won more with Aaron Rodgers when he had him in his prime, right? Dallas Cowboys, I'm not necessarily fearing come playoff time. Detroit Lions, nice little story. They have something going on there. It's absolutely true. Dan Campbell seems to have a feel for that locker room, and they they vibe off him, right? This is still a Lions team that has one playoff win in the last 50 years, and Jared Goff is your quarterback. Look, you're playing in Detroit in the NFC Championship game because they get the one seed, maybe that's a different conversation, especially if they get a couple playoff wins under them, right, leading up to that point. Yeah. They'll have to have won, I guess, what, one game going into that uh, into that game. If they, make it, if they get the one seed, they win a game, then they're in the NFC Championship. Regardless, they have a lot to prove. I still feel the same way, though. When I look at the Eagles compared to them, maybe they're not playing as consistently good as the Lions. The Lions, they get blown out by the Ravens, by the way. But I am taking the Eagles, and no doubt in my mind, in a playoff game when it's going up against the Detroit Lions or the Dallas Cowboys. The 49ers, on the other hand, yes, you could argue the quarterback. He still has to continue to prove it. Mr. Irrelevant, I get that. Kyle Shanahan is a guy who has been there time and time again. Has he gotten it done? No. But this is a dude who's always in the NFC Championship game and has been in the Super Bowl multiple times, right, with bad quarterback play or below-average quarterback play. And it's also a roster that is absolutely stacked. And when they're healthy, offensive side, 
Debo, Ayuk, McCaffrey, Trent Williams on the line. Defense, Chase Young, Nick Bosa, right? Like Fred Warner. This That team is stacked. Javon Hargrave that we didn't even mention. That's why they worry me the most. One game, win or go home, Eagles versus either the Lions, Cowboys, or 49ers. I'm most worried about the 49ers, and that was proven again after what I saw yesterday. Yeah, even when they were on their little losing streak, there's still – a concern. I mean, and you mentioned it earlier. There's going to be a little extra chip on their shoulder if they meet the Eagles in the playoffs because they're going to want to prove oh, yeah. that, oh, yeah. oh well, we would have won if Brock Purdy didn't get hurt. I think that – I think it's going to come down to the Eagles and Niners again. But one good one thing that we haven't seen yet is the, the best out of the Eagles – now, I don't know if this is just going to sure. be the Eagles the whole season that they play tight games that they win and they end up 14 and three, but, you know, they're, they're all tight games. That might help in a playoff situation when you're in tight games, but we might not have seen the best out of them yet. And if we do, then it. Uh, the story might be different. And that's the key here because this is the biggest thing. We could worry about all the other teams and what they're doing. Great. Fantastic. If the Eagles don't figure their stuff out, we're having completely different conversations. If this is the same type of Eagles team, well, I guess so what they're eight weeks from now, nine weeks from now, whatever it is, right? Where we see the potential, you see the flashes, and you see even maybe a couple more complete games, right? But you continue to see shaky secondary play, turnover issues, and shooting yourself in the foot, right? Like you continue to see the same problems, whether it be Jalen Hurts looking a bit uh, a bit hobbled with the injury, whether it be the red zone struggles that you had earlier in the season, right? Whether it be, the as I mentioned, the turnover, shooting yourself in the foot, the secondary play. If it's the same type of Eagles team through eight weeks, what we saw the first eight weeks of the season, on the second half of the season, I think we're having a different conversation. Because we're having the conversation right now. We're like, yeah, this team's imperfect. This team still has their best football to play. They got to play that football, though. It's all well and good to talk about it. They still have to go out there and prove to us that they're better than what they've seen in the first eight weeks of the season, nine weeks of the season. And they're going to be doing it up against teams kind of in the same situation as them. The Chiefs, who have been underperforming, they're going to want to feel like they have to get the next step, take the next step. Then they go play Buffalo, who's in the same situation. They're underperforming. Then they play the Niners, who's coming off a Thursday night game. Then they play the Dallas, who's coming off a Thursday night game. These two, these two teams in a row have extra extra rest. And the Eagles, they don't have like a, a Cardinals who they could kind of, after the bye, they could gear up against. They're, they're hitting the wall running. And they're up against these teams that have something to prove as well. Oh, yeah, 100%. And they're damn good football teams, by the way, yeah. too, which even though they're underperforming, even though they got question marks, they're still damn good football teams. It would be nice if too. we had, like, a, a Giants earlier, maybe. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, first place schedule, buddy. That's how it works. Yeah. There it is. 610-632-0975. Yes, on the other side, we're going to get to Jeff Kerr, NFL writer for CBS, does a fantastic job. Can't wait to talk to him about the Philadelphia Eagles and their second half, but also – I want to get into a little bit the coordinators. I mentioned we're going to get into it here. We got a little sidetracked. The coordinators, Brian Johnson, Sean Desai. Which one do you have the most faith in in the second half of the season? They both shown flashes. They both shown good flashes and shown some not so good flashes. Had their inconsistencies, which is expected when you have two young coordinators, right? 
to one of them, a first-year coordinator in his entire life, in Brian Johnson, first-time play caller, and then one in Sean Desai as well, who was a coordinator, defense coordinator, just one time before. Who do you have more faith in in the second half of the season? Sean Desai, Brian Johnson, we'll discuss on the other side, along with Jeff Kerr. Uh, Tom Malboard filling in for Connor Thomas. Philly Sports Tonight right here, 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. The Fanatic. Tom Alvord, Matt Menark. Philly Sports Tonight. Got you till 10 o'clock. 610-632-0975. Going to talk to Jeff Kerr, NFL writer for CBS, in just a few minutes. Got a lot to get into. Can't wait to talk to him. A couple Eagles roster moves and a rumor thrown in there as well from today. I'll do do the the less exciting one first. Uh, It's... uh, Yes, uh, we'll see after I say this. Uh, so the Philadelphia Eagles, they're giving us a little bit of, a, of an update. Practice squad, we've signed center Ross Hirschbacher and released cornerback Kendall Wilder. These two people could be made up. I have never heard of these two human beings. No disrespect. You're doing better than I am. I have never heard. Was, he was a member of the team, I think it was last year or the year before. Was that what it was? Yeah. So Jason Kelsey's replacement? Is that what it is? Yeah, I think it's Cam Jurgens in disguise. Okay, <laughs> it's good to know. Uh, there's that news. Also, according to Mike Garofolo, there was uh, rumors that the Eagles hosted linebacker Anthony Barr on a free agency visit today. Anthony Barr is a name that you may recognize, right? Played for the, for the um, Minnesota Vikings for a little while, a couple years. Anthony Barr is a name you may recognize. P- was a Pretty good player in this league for a while. The Eagles obviously have their issues at linebacker with Nicobe Dean going on the IR. We were pretty excited about that when we first heard it. Okay, uh-oh, let's go. What do we what do we got going on here? They also worked out Andrew Norwell, Lekitis Smith, Lasita Smith, Smith, I don't know, and tight end Noah Tagaya. But the biggest name, obviously, in that group is Anthony Barr. Well, that was short-lived because literally like 10 minutes after that report comes out, it is reported that Anthony Barr will be signing with a different team as Anthony Barr is going back to the Minnesota Vikings. Linebacker Jordan Hicks hurt. So you may have gotten excited. You may have seen that Anthony Barr. Oh, what's going on? They signing him. They will not be signing. He's going to the Vikings. So yeah, a little bit, a little bit of a, uh, of a roller coaster there for the Philadelphia Eagles. Just saw uh, Jason Pierre, Paul, AKA don't play with fireworks. He's signing with uh, the Saints. Okay. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, it was a rumor maybe he'd be coming here, you know, because the Barnett's going to be a healthy and active for it seems like probably the rest of the season, bearing an injury. So he's going to the Saints. Good for him. The Saints stink. I was very wrong in the New Orleans Saints. We'll talk about that. The whole division just yeah, sucks. Yeah, dude, it's awful. Awful. Um, before we talk to Jeff Kerr, I mentioned before the break that I had a question. Two Eagles coordinators. We've seen some ups and downs throughout the entire season from the both of them, right? When you look at the Eagles' schedule, Sean Desai has flashed in a couple games where we saw him shut down the Miami Dolphins' offense. That was the best in the league, record-breaking coming into that game. He shut them down. Just all one offensive touchdown, I believe, 10 points total. The New York Jets, not nearly the offense that Miami Dolphins were, but they were putting some very tough situations at Eagles' defense because of some turnovers, very short fields. They kept them in that football game. We've seen positive signs from Sean Desai. We've also seen some games like the two against the Washington Commanders where they just get lit up by Sam Howe. How does that happen, right? We've seen some inconsistencies. Same with Brian Johnson. 
early on, it was all out of whack. Jalen Hurts was struggling. The line, they didn't, the chemistry wasn't there. Red zone was a problem for a lot of this season. They still have their issues finishing, but we've seen more positives from Brian Johnson as of late. Of course, um, the big one being that Dallas Cowboys game where the last 10 minutes weren't great, where you had three three and outs that needs to be worked on, right? Not necessarily great field position for the Eagles, but has looked better as of late, Brian Johnson. So I ask you out there at 610-632-0975, which guy's going to have the better second half? Who do you have more confidence in, in having the better second half for the Philadelphia Eagles? Offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson, or defensive coordinator, Sean Desai? 610-632-0975. Again, you've seen flashes from both. Rushing defense for the Philadelphia Eagles, the best in all of football, where they have just three rushing touchdowns allowed. And 66 yards per game. First in the NFL. Second in the NFL is the Bears with 76. That is a 10-yard per game difference from the Philadelphia Eagles in that defense. And then you look at not-so-great side. Passing defense for the Philadelphia Eagles. 257 yards per game given up. That is 29th in the league. 29th in the league. Only ones worse, Jaguars, Buccaneers, and Los Angeles Chargers who just got a 41 spot dropped on their heads, right? Some good and some bad. And overall, total yardage, they rank in kind of in the middle. And the Philadelphia Eagles, when it comes to offensively, we've seen some inconsistencies. We've seen some issues in the red zone, right, when it gets tougher. It's going to be much more tough without Dallas Goddard, who hasn't been put on IR officially yet, which is kind of weird. I'm going to ask Jeff Kerr about that on the other side, or excuse me, on the other side in just a couple minutes. Seen some inconsistencies from this Philadelphia Eagles offense as well, and from Brian Johnson. Run game hasn't looked as good lately. Red zone issues. But when you look at this Eagles offense as a whole, that's 28 points per game. That's third in the NFL. Only ones with a higher point per game so far this season, the Miami Dolphins and the Dallas Cowboys. Miami Dolphins who are a record-breaking offense and the Cowboys that put up 50 points every time they play the Giants. And that kind of that kind of skews the <laughs> skews the percentages a little bit. So I ask you again at 610-632-0975, who do you have more confidence in in the second half of the season for the Philadelphia Eagles? Brian Johnson or Sean Desai? My answer? It's Brian Johnson. Now, I think Sean Desai is a talented dude. And I still think there's a lot to be proven for Sean Desai. And I feel, still think he has a ways to go. A big reason I answer Brian Johnson is because the flashes I've seen lately, where it seems like we're kind of growing, we're putting complete games together offensively. We're working on the red zone offense. It's been a lot better the last month or two of the season, right? And also the talent that's around him. Look, that defense has some damn good talent as well. We know the defensive line, the corners, Darius Slay uh, specifically, Kevin Byard they get. There's still some question marks on that defensive side, not nearly as many on the offensive side. We have A.J. Brown, Devontae, Dallas Goddard, hopefully a month from now, right? Best offensive line in football. And, of course, Jalen Hurts, who's looked better every single week. So that's my answer, and I'd love to hear yours at 610-632-0975. All right, it's time. Let's go to the Comcast Business Hotline and talk to our buddy, friend of the show, Jeff Kerr, NFL writer for CBS Sports. Jeff, what's going on, man? Thanks for joining me. Hey, Tom. How's it going, my friend? Good, good. Did you get to enjoy the bye week at all? You go on vacation, you travel, anything fun, or just chill out? Uh, Tom, I cover the NFL. There is no bye week. <laughs> That's a good point. That is a very good point. Well, I, I hope you enjoyed it a little bit, right? A little bit of a stress-free Sunday from the Philadelphia Eagles. But, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us, man. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, before we look on to the second half of the season, before we dive into this uh, Kansas City Chiefs game, I want to get your thoughts on the Eagles' first half of the year as a whole, right? Where obviously some 
great signs, some great flashes, an 8-1 team, best record in the NFL, but it hasn't been particularly perfect and particularly pretty throughout the entire season. Where do you stand on how the Philadelphia Eagles looked in the first half of the season? You know, Tom, I've given this some thought, and when you get to watch all 32 teams, and again, I'm obsessed. I watch every game. I watch a condensed version. I watch some all 22, but when you're looking around the league, yes, the Eagles are 8-1 they are probably still one of the three or four best teams in the NFL. Um, and I had Baltimore in that conversation until they decided to be Baltimore and blow a late lead. So it's probably the Eagles, Kansas City, uh, Detroit. I, I think I got to put Detroit in that mix. I mean, they they are 7-2, and two and I know their schedule's not good, but they're still really good. But overall, I think the two best teams in the league might be playing on Monday Night Football next week. Yeah, and I I share the same kind of sentiment where, look, yes, we obsess as Philadelphia Eagles fans. Obviously, a lot of us are just watching Philadelphia Eagles on Sundays or Mondays. That's the only team. To me, looking around the rest of the NFL, you've seen inconsistencies for every one of these good teams, right? Kansas City's offense doesn't look nearly as lethal as it did last year. Baltimore has had its ups and downs. Cincinnati's struggling with some injuries. When you look at the teams, the other teams around the league, it's easy to get kind of worried a little bit about what you've seen from the Eagles. There's a lot of inconsistent teams out there in the NFL and good ones as well. Absolutely. And look, Kansas City's offense isn't the same, but they're still top 10 in points scored. They do miss Eric Bieniemy. Uh Matt Nagy is not the same as Eric Bieniemy, but their defense is also not the same as the one the Eagles saw in Super Bowl 57 last year. This is the top five defense, and they got playmakers across the board. They got playmakers in the secondary uh, you know, they can get after the passer. George Kaloptis is becoming a star before our very eyes. Nick Bolton already is one of the better linebackers in football. This is a really good Kansas City football team. But uh, back to your initial question, uh, Tom. Yeah, you're right. There, there is it, it really is a week-to-week league uh, more than ever this year. So when you're looking at Detroit, you're saying, okay, so where's Detroit's weakness? Well, they give up a lot of passing yards. But, again, everybody gives up a lot of passing yards. The Eagles give up a lot of passing yards. Yes, they do. But it's – it's what you do w- with that. You know, is it a bend but don't break defense? Well, maybe not in Detroit, but in Philly, yes. Um, the Saints, I-, I thought they had one of the best defenses in the NFL through the first seven weeks. Now, all of a sudden, they're collapsing, and they're a 500 football team. They shouldn't be with their schedule, but they are. Uh, I- but obviously, in Philadelphia, we're looking at the contenders. And the contenders with the Eagles right now are Kansas City, 7-2, and two, uh, San Francisco, 6-3, and three, they bounce back. Dallas, I, I know, but you know, Dallas still can't be a good team. By the way, they're, they're <laughs> six and three. But um, you know, Miami, the Eagles beat. Uh, you know, I think Miami's in that mix. Jacksonville, I thought they were in that mix until Sunday. You know, they play a good team and they get killed. I'm curious to see what the Buffalo Bills do tonight against Denver. I know it's only Denver, but Buffalo needs this win. They they need to stay in the AFC race, or their window might be closed. Yeah, Denver team that beat Kansas City just a couple weeks ago, by the way, as well. So you mentioned a couple top teams there. One of the questions we've been talking about, not just on this show, but all throughout the station all day today, looking at the bye week, looking at some of the other teams around the NFC in particular, who do you see as the biggest threat to the Eagles in the NFC? To me, even though they've had ups and downs, they're coming off three straight losses before yesterday. The San Francisco 49ers, man, when they're healthy, when everything's clicking, they scare me, quote-unquote. They worry me the most when it comes to uh, who the Eagles see in the NFC Championship or see throughout the playoffs. What about you? I like your choice, Tom, but if I'm looking at bigger picture, the Lions, okay. just because of their schedule. And look, they're 7-2. and two. They're not 6-3. and three. And the Eagles have a chance to bury San Francisco in the race for home field advantage. 
they don't get to do that with Detroit now. And just pulling up Detroit's schedule here. They played the Chicago Bears this Sunday. They should win. They played Detroit on Thanksgiving. They should win. The Saints at New Orleans could be a toss-up. But again, I think based on talent and coaching, Detroit should win. At Chicago again. Versus Denver. At Minnesota. At Dallas. Versus Minnesota. So their last three games were a challenge. But really, Detroit could be walking into that 12-2. and two, And the Eagles play that brutal five-game stretch. So I'm looking at it as Detroit might be ahead of the Eagles come the end of that five-game stretch, assuming the Eagles go three and two, which is good. But the Eagles have a better fantasy stretch than Detroit does. Eagles fans may actually have to root for the Cowboys at some point <laughs> this year, and I don't think they want to do that. Oh, man. Yeah, Detroit, when you look at that schedule, it's not nearly as bad of a schedule as the Philadelphia Eagles have coming up in these next four or five weeks, whatever it is. A big part and a big issue, a big obstacle for the Philadelphia Eagles coming up here is Dallas Goddard being out. Now, he hasn't officially been placed on IR, which I think is a little strange. The Kobe Dean was like a week ago. Dallas Goddard still has a doubtful tag on him, at least from what I've looked at recently. Dallas Goddard, what, how long do you think this injury is? He's probably going to be placed on our IR, right? And also... Who has to step up most? How do they replace Dallas Goddard in this offense? Because he was finally finding his footing in this Brian Johnson offense. Now he's just ripped away right out of nowhere because of the injury. So I heard the injury would take at least a month. And obviously with the bye week, that's one. So if it's at least a month, that's three more weeks. Maybe they won't put him on IR, but they necessarily didn't have to do it during the bye week either. Sure. I think they are going to do it at some point. So that's a minimum of four games. Um, so I'm looking at it as okay. He's going to miss at least the next four. He'll come back for, uh, I guess, what would be Seattle, Seattle week 15. So that, that's when I would target his return. Um, again, injuries are different depending on the player. I mean, we saw that with Bryce Harper this year with the Phillies. So, sure. you know, we thought he, was good, thought he was going to be back in July, but regardless. Um, yeah, I really don't know how they're going to compensate the loss of Dallas Goddard in terms of the tight end position. I mean, you're going to see a lot of Jack Stoll. You're going to see uh, Albert Aquabanam, but I think mostly you're going to see more Julio Jones. And if Quez Watkins can come back soon, which, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to be soon, soon, but I, I, I know his hamstring injury is progressing and it's getting better. So I think, but I think you're going to see more three, t- uh, three wide receiver sets, more 11 personnel. And I think you're going to see an uptick in Julio Jones and Omalai Sakias going forward. Talking to Jeff Kerr, NFL writer for CBS Sports. Another issue, quote-unquote, that you want to keep an eye on uh, for the second half of the season for the Philadelphia Eagles is the shaky secondary play. Like you mentioned, passing yards, there's not a ton of great passing defensive teams out there, right? And the Eagles, according to the stats, aren't one of them, where they have the third most pass yards allowed per game. We've seen a shaky secondary. We've seen flashes of a good secondary from Sean Desai in this defense, but as of late, hasn't been the same secondary that we were expecting. Now, they get Kevin Byard, obviously has the bye week to work on everything, learn the system a little bit more. Are you confident in this secondary having a little bit of a bounce back in the second half? And is there anyone, anything that worries you in particular, a.k.a. a guy like maybe James Bradbury, and him kind of looks like falling off a little bit, at least in the first nine games of the year? Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, you know, James Bradbury has uh, allowed a 99 passer rating this season uh, that's not good. Uh, last year, he it, it was you know I think it was forty six or something like that. So obviously, James Bradbury's getting targeted. He's a year older now. He's still got that contract. I worry about him a bit. I, I think Darius Slay has been playing really well, actually. Uh, you know, n- not as not as great as he was the first half of last year, but th- nowhere close to as bad as he was the second half. So you know, maybe James Bradbury turns the season around there. He's a good enough player. Um, 
But again, you know, maybe the Eagles' best solution is um, more Josh Job, which I, which is a player to me that I actually th- think he's been playing better than what the fans think. And he's a growing player. Uh, I'm not saying Josh Job should be starting over James Bradbury, but maybe you see a little bit more of him. But the key to me is Bradley Roby coming back in the slot. And he says he's coming back this week. Um, look, Eli Ricks been okay there. Sidney Brown, he'll be there in box nickel, uh, three safeties. But, you know, asking those guys to cover C.D. Lamb, that's, that's a Herculean task. That's a Herculean task for anybody. C.D. Lamb is 500 receiving yards in his last three games. So, you know, it, wow. it, it's, it's, not, it's not that these guys can't play. It's just look what he's doing. So, but I, obviously I think a guy like Bradley Roby would help. Maybe moving James Bradbury in the slot would, would help as well. I'm curious to see what Sean Desai has planned for this week because Kansas City's receivers definitely are not on the level of C.D. Lamb. Yeah, I was going to say, we're going to find out quickly about Sean Desai and what he's got because of this stretch that they're seeing. Uh, another big storyline in the second half and even the first half as well of the season, Jalen Hurts and the knee injury that he's dealing with. He's not giving reporters anything. He even walked out of a press conference when asked about it, right? And he's probably going to do it again uh, at some point this season. Is this the kind of injury, in your opinion, that this bye week's going to help a ton? And we're going to see him maybe a little bit hobbled here or there, but the bye week really is going to do him some good. Or is this going to be a thing that's going to be lingering all year long and we're going to be see Jalen Hurts limping even like four weeks from now? Well, he said the bye week couldn't come at a better time. And, and I agree with him. And look, I usually see Jalen every Friday in the locker room. And the only Friday I didn't see him was the week before they played Dallas uh, up against Washington. That, that was the only week. So I was assuming he was getting a little bit more treatment, but every other week I've seen him. So I, I think that means that it's a good sign if he's showing his face in the locker room, you know, obviously not talking to anybody, but you know, it's, it, it's still, in my opinion, it's a good sign. He, he's got to handle one thing. Now I, I think the bye week was huge for him this week. Cause I think he aggravated it um, obviously on the, Michael Parsons throw down and you know, he, he was playing through pain last week and look, Jalen's Jalen. He, he's going to grind. He's going to play. And that's in the message to your football team. You know, maybe, you know, say down the line and AJ Brown or Devonta Smith battling something. Well, they're, they're going to play because their quarterback is playing through an injury or, you know, maybe Lane Johnson plays because his quarterback is playing through something or, or anybody on the team. It, it sends a message that no matter what Jalen hurts is going to go, but yeah, I, I I do worry about this knee the rest of the year, but at the same time, I also think the week helped. The bye week really couldn't have come at a better time for this football team. Absolutely. All the injuries around, and as I mentioned, Kevin Byard as well, kind of getting accumulated to this system here. Uh, Jeff, any worries, any concerns at all about the run game? It was fantastic early on in the year, specifically DeAndre Swift, where he was he was like third in the league in rushing, and he missed. He had, what, one carry in week one through uh, three weeks. Not so great as of late. 43 yards, 57, 62, 18 for DeAndre Swift, and not to mention the, what, two fumbles he had last week against Dallas. Any worry about the run game or uh, DeAndre Swift going forward? I've been worried about the run game since week four. Really? And, you know, yeah, and DeAndre Swift, had, going in the bye week, was still third in the league of rushing. That's all I had to hear about. You know, he's third in the league of rushing. I'm like, okay, well, here's a stat of 71 running backs uh, that have 25-plus carries since week four. DeAndre Swift is 55th with 3.4, and Kenny Gainwell's worse. He's 64th at 2.9. So, yeah, it's a problem. And, look, I don't think it's a DeAndre Swift thing. I just think he's not getting any help, and he's getting the ball too much. I I think too much DeAndre Swift isn't a good thing. Like, DeAndre Swift is a boomer bust player. That's just the way he is. That's why I thought Rashad Penny would be a great sign for this football team, but they don't give me a reason why he doesn't play. Rashad Penny can't give me a reason why he doesn't play. (laughs) So, it's... I don't understand. The guy runs for six yards, runs for three yards, you know, 
he's this. Uh, the only explanation I got is in week two, remember with the J1 Hurts touchdown pass to A.J. Brown that was called back for Rashad Penny, uh, penalty? You remember that time? Yes, 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 I do. Yep. Yeah. You know, he's played like three snaps since. And th- that's the only reason I got. And again, I-, I love to ask Nick that at some point, you know, why, you know, is-, is that the reason? Like, why Why don't you guys like him? But, you know, again, they trust Kenny Gainwell. Fine. I still think the best combination. Especially when Gainwell and Swift are yeah. fumbling the ball, too. It's not like they're perfect, right? Every running back's going to make mistakes at some point throughout the year. Yeah, exactly. And look, I, I just think. People overrate DeAndre Swift a bit. He's a good player. I, I, I really like him in this offense, but it's he's not the bell cow people think he is. You know, he's not going to be the guy to get 20, 25 carries a game. May, maybe every once in a while, but not every single week. And I think the wear and tear is showing. I think DeAndre Swift's still having a fine year, but, you know, he's been slumped in the last couple of weeks, too. But it's not just him. It's, it's every running back on this team. This running game just isn't as good as it was last year. Yeah, which is shocking to say, especially with how good this offensive line is and, of course, how good it was early on in the year for the Philadelphia Eagles. Last one here before you get you out of here, Jeff. Um, this matchup next week, obviously a week from now, the Monday game. We don't get to rea- uh, watch on Sunday. Again, they have three 1 o'clock games all year long. Uh, initial thoughts when it comes to this matchup with Kansas City. Obviously, Eagles pretty good coming off of by 2-0 in Nick Sirianni's career. I think I saw a stat the Chiefs are like 27-4, and or Andy Reid, excuse me, is 27-4 and coming off of by. Initial thoughts on this Kansas City Chiefs matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles. And you know, the Eagles still haven't beaten Andy Reid since he left. So that, that's another wow. thing to consider in there. Um, it's going to be a tough game. I, I mean, and this is back in May, back in August when I did schedule predictions. I penciled this in as a loss. I think the Eagles can win that game. I, I'll say this. If the Eagles win that game on, on Monday, I think they, they win home field advantage in the NFC ultimately. Because this this game, to me, it's, it's a toss-up. Um, obviously, Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts is going to be the storyline and the, the whole Taylor Swift thing. But really, it's the Eagles' offensive line versus the Chiefs' defensive line and the Chiefs' offensive line versus the Eagles' defensive line. I, I think the Eagles' defensive line might have something to prove based on that Super Bowl fiasco last year with the turf. I, I, I you know, I know Kansas City likes to brag about, hey, we didn't give up a sack in the Super Bowl to a team that had 70, and you know, they, they had eight in the postseason going into that game. So, I think the Sam Reddick, Brandon Graham, those guys, that's the matchup I'm, at, I'm honestly looking at. Because Kansas City's offensive line has been really good this year. Patrick Mahomes gets rid of the ball quick. I'm curious to see in the fourth quarter of a closed game how this defensive line stacks up. Because Jalen Carter, he obviously didn't play in that Super Bowl last year. Um, Josh Wett leads the league in fourth quarter pressures. And him and the Sam Reddick are up there in fourth quarter sacks. So th- that's the matchup I'm looking for. It's going to be a great game. Yeah, man, cannot wait. Next week, cannot get here soon enough, and I'm curious if we get a Taylor Swift sighting and what jersey she will be wearing in that game if she decides to attend. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us, man. Really, really appreciate it. Tom, appreciate you having me all, my friend. Absolutely. Jeff, there it is. There he is. Jeff Kerr, NFL writer for CBS Sports, does a tremendous, tremendous job. At Jeff Kerr, K-E-R-R-C-B-S, Jeff Kerr CBS, on Twitter if you like to fo- if you want to follow him, which you should because he does a tremendous job. Really appreciate him joining us tonight. All right, he said a ton there, and I want to get into some stuff, particularly with the run game, where it's something that's going a little bit under the radar. We're talking a lot about Dallas Goddard and the injury. I want to touch on that as well because I do find it odd that he is not on the IR yet. What does that say going forward for the Eagles? When does it happen? Um, But the run game is what I really want to dive into. Not really talking about it. We're talking a lot about the Goddard, the turnovers, secondary. Is the run game a problem all of a sudden? 
for the Philadelphia Eagles or potential problem going forward for the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll discuss on the other side. Tom Alvord filling filling in, excuse me, is how you say that, for Connor Thomas, Philly Sports Tonight, 610-632-0975. Got you till 10 o'clock right here, 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. Philly Sports Tonight. 97.5 The Fanatic. And 97.5 TheFanatic.com. Seven five, the fanatic. Tom Alvord filling in for Connor Thomas here. Philly Sports tonight on a Monday, a football Monday. Football Monday on the fanatic is presented by Pierce Phelps Bryant Heating and Air Conditioning Contractors. Visit nopaybryant.com for flexible spending options on a new heating and cooling system. Six one zero six three two zero nine seven five. Going to break down what Jeff Kerr had to say in just just a second here. Also, I have a question about Tyrese Maxey and the Philadelphia 76ers and the trade that potentially is going to be happening at the NBA trade deadline just a few months from now. But I need to get this off my chest. So a couple months ago, I was blasted here on the station because I just so happened to throw out a sandwich of a co-worker's. A co-worker who put his sandwich... In the little mini fridge that we have here in the studio or around the studio, right? Um, the milk fridge. The milk fridge, sure. Yes. It's in the... Uh, Technically. Yeah, no, it is. It's in the breastfeeding area, right? But, like, you know, people people use it just to throw stuff in. Right. People overuse it. And that's the problem. Me working nights, I was the guy that came in every, you know, couple... Every, like, week. Like, once a week, I'd check and be like, all right, how long has this been in here? I'm tossing this. We don't need this in here. This is gross, Right. I went in one day, one night, and there's a couple bags. I'm like, man, these bags, like, they, I feel like they've been here forever. I'm just throwing them out. If people didn't take them home tonight. They're not going to use them. Bang, threw it out. That, that fridge was spotless. The next day, I got blasted on these airwaves by multiple shows by multiple people because it turned out to be a coworker sandwich here who wanted it the next morning. Got ripped all throughout. Went on the best show ever. And talked to them. Tried to defend myself, right? And I said, because I got ripped, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I'm not cleaning up your mess anymore. I don't care. I was doing a nice thing. I wasn't even looking for credit. I didn't say it was me, right? I didn't say anything like that. I just was trying to keep it tidy, our little office here. And I got ripped for it. So I said, you know what? No more. You guys are going to remember this. Because you don't notice me when I'm here. But when I'm gone, then you're going to be thinking about me. I'm like Batman, right? You don't know I'm gone until I'm gone. That you don't fridge, know what you got till it's gone. There you go. They should make a song like that. That fridge is disgusting, dude. Have you seen that fridge? There was Italian no. dressing all over it. Yeah, you mentioned it. I didn't want to. You yeah. and Dylan talked. To, I'm not. It's disgusting. Yeah, I wasn't going to check it yeah. out. And it, it, it doesn't have to be. One, no. people could act like adults and clean their stuff up and not leave stuff there for weeks, right? Or they could just walk down the hall and use the two big, the massive normal-side fridges, fridges we already have. That fridge should be used for, obviously, if people need it, nursing, right? You, right. You got to keep stuff in there. Obviously, that's number one priority. But it doesn't seem, there's not, like, that's not really going on right now at the station, right? Or at the, in this area. Um, or the building, I guess I'll say. This floor, right? So, I use it just to throw. I throw my lunch and I come in here at 5 o'clock. When I get done, like 10.30, I take my lunch box out, my little container out. That's it. You use it just for a short period of time. 
People people use it. And they use it all the time. Yeah, you don't put condiments in there. No, you don't do that. Put that in the big fridge. So you know what? They're feeling they're missing me now. I know they are. They'll never say it. All the people that work here, they'll never say it. That fridge is disgusting. Yeah, and you were yelling at Dylan because you he was he was cleaning. cleaning up that Italian dressing. I said, don't do it. You're like, yeah, don't do that. Good. But yeah, if you see the Italian dressing cleaned up, you guys can thank Dylan. Yeah. Don't thank me because I'm never doing it again. And you guys ruined that. And not you out there listening. I appreciate you. I'm sure people <laughs> out there people listening. Snuck in, I mean, yeah, I mean, you never know. I'm sure people out there listening have had similar problems at their jobs. Or maybe they're the people causing the problems at the oh, job. Oh, I'm sure everybody yeah. that has in, in an environment where there's offices and multiple people that bring lunches to work, I guarantee anybody that's oh, yeah. listening, yeah. Yeah. But I'm not doing it. I'm not cleaning up. I don't blame you, man. And they ruined it. The people here that work in this building, they ruined it for calling me out and ripping me on air. All right. I just had to get that off my chest. I'm sorry. I saw Dylan cleaning it up today. I saw how gross it was. And I just had to get it off my chest. My apologies. We'll get back to sports. Stop yelling at your radio. 610-632-0975. Jeff Kerr joined us, obviously, just now. NFL writer for CBS. And, of course, I undersell him because I'm thinking I'm thinking just Eagles. That's We talk a lot of Eagles beat writers. He's like, dude, I don't have a bye week, man. I, I cover the whole NFL. I was like, yeah, you're right. My bad. My apologies. But no, no bye week for him. Bye week for the Philadelphia Eagles, as you all know. And he said some really, really interesting things in that conversation. If you missed it, you'll find it at 975thefanatic.com. That'll be podcasted in a little bit. He said a couple things that stood out to me. I asked him about Dallas Goddard, and he said, I asked him about the IR. Like, why hasn't he been placed on IR yet? And they had an opportunity to do so. They did it with Nicobe Dean. Jeff said possibly Maybe they're going to try and avoid IR, right? And he doesn't have to miss four games. He says, Jeff, that it's more likely than not that he is going to be placed. He expects Dallas Scott to be placed on IR. My initial thoughts, because you may ask, why wouldn't they place him on IR when they place the Kobe Dean on IR? Then he only has to miss three games because he has to miss four weeks. And one will be one of them, one of them, excuse me, would be the bye week. My guess is this is going to take a little bit longer than just a few weeks. Like my guess is it might be at minimum a month until he's back. Because now my assumption is they place him on IR at some point this week. He then misses the next four games. So he'll he'll miss five weeks total with the bye week. That's my assumption. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they are trying to get him back before. uh, And he doesn't have to miss all four games like he would if he went on IR. My guess is he goes on IR. Excuse me. He mentioned some players that need to step up. Quez Watkins, if he comes back, right, he's dealing with, I believe it's the hamstring injury right now. He's missed the last few weeks. And he said we're going to see a lot of Julio Jones. Something I'm I'm into. Not throughout the, you know, 100 yards, right? Not in between the 20s or anything like that. Specifically in the red zone. That's the key here. Julio Jones in the red zone. He's an all-time, one of the greatest receivers of all time. He's not that right now, obviously. He's ages, father time is undefeated. As we all know, he still shows signs and flashes in the red zone. He had that great touchdown catch a couple weeks ago. I think it was against Commander's Top of My Head, where that was a... Tough, tough catch in that scenario. But what did Julio Jones do? He made that catch like he has a hundred times in his career. Julio Jones in the red zone, I think, is key. With the divisional playoffs, except the divisional playoffs. Great point. Um, Julio Jones in the red zone, absolutely agree with. And I, we had this conversation last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago. Who needs to step up the most in Dallas Goddard's absence? I believe me and you had that conversation, Matt. I said uh, Devontae Smith, and I still hold true to that. Like, Devontae Smith, I think, has to have a big, big second half. You're going to be without Dallas Goddard for probably a good month now, right? You have a quarterback who we'll see how he looks out of the bye, but not at 100%. I think that's fair to say going forward this season. I'd love to be wrong. You also have a young 
still new coordinator, right? Who is going to probably struggle a little bit to get this offense going without Dallas Goddard, much like Shane Steichen did last year without Dallas Goddard, where that first game was against the Indianapolis Colts. They put up 17 points. Then they turned it on. They figured out because Shane Steichen's a damn good head coach or damn good offense coordinator turned into a head coach, right? Maybe it takes Brian Johnson some time. A.J. Brown, I know, is going to get his. He's going to ball out. He's also going to see some more attention. I think Devontae Smith needs to have a huge, huge second half, especially in the three, four weeks that Dallas Goddard misses. He mentioned uh, the secondary. James Bradbury struggling. He gave up the passer rating. I believe it was a 99 passer rating. Uh, James Bradbury has given up so far this season. Jeff Kerr told us not very good, especially when James Bradbury last year, I believe, was first team all pro. And Darius Slay was second team all pro. Like He was the best cornerback on the Philadelphia Eagles last year, according to the NFL awards, right? A little bit of a drop-off from James Bradbury. He needs to be better in the second half. He also mentioned Jeff Bradley Roby coming in. Slot cornerback, nickel cornerback. They've had a little bit of a turnstile there where we've seen Ricks. We've seen Josh Joe. We've seen we saw even Mario Goodrich for a little bit, right, since Avante Max has been out. They've been excited about Bradley Roby. He should be back this week. We'll see how he does in the slot when it comes to the slot corner position. That's going to be something to absolutely keep an eye on. If you have someone that's above average or better than what you've had so far at the slot cornerback position, that helps everybody else in the secondary, right? So that's something that Jeff mentioned that I thought was very, very interesting. He also says that they're one of the three or four best teams in the NFL. He didn't say the best team in the NFL, but he said one of the three or four best teams in the NFL When it's all said and done, which when it comes down to it, that's all that really matters, right? Like you don't have to be number one. You don't have to be 16 and one. You only have to be the best in the NFC. But if you're playing the best football, you're the best team come January, February. That's what's most important. The big thing. I asked him, listen, DeAndre Swift's struggling a little bit. And this run game's struggling a little bit in the last few weeks. Kind of going under the radar. DeAndre Swift to start the year, 175 yards, 130 yards. Through the first three weeks of the season, he was top three in rushing. And he had one carry in week one. That's how good he was in the first two weeks of the season. Hasn't been quite the same kind of production from DeAndre Swift as of late. Last week against Dallas, 18 rushes, 43 yards, a 2.4 average yards per carry. Against Washington two weeks, two weeks ago, 16 rushes, 57 yards, 3.6. Against Miami, a little bit better. 15 rushes, 62 yards, 4.1. And then against the Jets, where the offense was a mess as a whole that game, 10 rushes, 18 yards. Not great. And a 1.8 average. Now, I still believe DeAndre Swift is the best back in this backfield. I believe he's the best option. I've been saying that all season long. Jeff said he's been worried about this run game since week four. And he says we're potentially seeing too much DeAndre Swift, where he's a boomer bust type player, where you have to mix in other guys. Now, it would help if you didn't have if those other guys were a little bit more of an upgrade than Kenny Gainwell or Boston Scott, who I, who I like both those guys. But like, let's be real. If you had a legit backup you could count on with a, a high potential backup or something, which I think they thought Kenny Gainwell was going to be, then it'd be a little bit easier. The Rashad Penny stuff is really interesting. It doesn't make sense. Like People were really excited about Penny. Jeff Kerr being one of them when we talked before the season started. Rashad Penny, I thought, was going to be a dude that we saw mixed in a little bit this season, right? And Jeff mentioned that he had that penalty in Minnesota, and you haven't really seen him since. Man, Boston Scott's had penalties. He's had issues. Kenny Gainwell has has had issues. He fumbled in the red zone, right? DeAndre Swift had two fumbles last week. I'm surprised the leash is as short as it is with Rashad Penny, especially when you see the run game struggling as much as it has. 
So I ask you out there, based on what Jeff said, 610-632-0975, any concern at all about the run game? Any concern at all? Because that's what this team's supposed to be built on, right? Offensive line, winning the trenches, best offensive line in football, best one of the best running quarterbacks in football, and you could just kind of insert whoever. Miles Sanders had a career year last year, not so much this year. Any concern about the run game? Any concern at all? Because you're going to need it. Obviously, you're going to need the passing game. You're going to need the defense step up. You're going to need to keep turnovers down. You're going to need the run game as well. Run game being non-existent was a big part why you lost the Super Bowl, right? Kansas City had a better run game than you. It was non-existent in the Super Bowl. That can't happen. We need to see flashes. Now, a big thing. Cam Jurgens has missed like the last month or so of the season dealing with an injury. His practice window is open. He's set to come back potentially this week. The numbers with Cam Jurgens in and with Cam Jurgens out when it comes to the run game, completely different. Might not be a coincidence why this run game has struggled since he's been out, where you've had Suo Opeta and Steen, Tyler Steen, filling in. They've done okay jobs. I actually thought Suo Opeta did pretty well, and then he was benched all of a sudden. I was like, oh, all right, maybe not. I guess my eyes are deceiving me. Cam Jurgens coming back, a huge, huge plus for this Eagles run game. Something to keep an eye on. You're going up against a damn good opponent in the Kansas City Chiefs. Defensively, as well. Like, we think of the Kansas City Chiefs, not so much this year, but when you think of the Chiefs, you think of offense. Patrick Mahomes, right? Got a damn good defense this year as well. When I look at total yards allowed, elite, fourth least yards allowed in the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs. And the run game, not so much. They're more middle of the pack, but that's still a damn good defense with a damn good defensive line. So I ask you out there at 610-632-0975, how concerned with you, if at all, when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles and this run game that has been struggling the last month or so of the season. 610-632-0975. For me, I'm not too concerned yet. I'll be completely honest. Not as concerned as Jeff Kerr is, where Jeff said he's been worried about this thing since week four. Has it been an issue? Yes, it absolutely has. I think play calling has a big part in this. I think Cam Jurgens being out has a big part in this. I think Jalen Hurts not being the same runner that he was last season is a part in this, and that's not a negative. I'm fine with Jalen Hurts not running the ball. And you still see the flashes where he can scramble out of, and you're like, wow, how did he do that, right? And you still see the QB runs drawn up every now and then. They're going to be more cautious as the season goes along. I would think it's still going to be mixed in there, but Jalen Hurts not nearly the runner that he was last season, and that's okay because his team's 8-1, and one and he's still dominating throwing the football, especially as of late where he's looked much, he looks much, much more like Jalen Hurts in 2022 throwing the football uh, so in the past few weeks than he did early on in the season. I think all of these things, plus some good opponents that you've gone up against as well, some good defensive lines in the Cowboys, and even the Commanders is a good defensive line, the Jets are a good defensive line, and you're going to be seeing some other good defensive lines. I'm not concerned yet. A little, little worried, a little bit. I'm keeping an eye on it, but I'm not concerned yet. I still think DeAndre Swift's a damn good running back. He can still blow, on, blow it up at any point, right? He can still blow off a 70-yard run at any point. And every time he touches a ball, I still feel like I get a five-yard run, a good run from DeAndre Swift. The numbers just aren't matching the production, in my opinion. So with Jurgens coming back, coming off a of bye week, being able to self-scout, quote-unquote, as Nick Sirianni loves to tell us that they do, and DeAndre Swift feeling a bit healthier, right? That's a big part in this as well. I'm not concerned with the run game as of yet. Keeping an eye on it. Not worried. Not yet. Two more weeks? Maybe. We see the same things, same type of lack of production in the next two weeks. We'll have a different conversation. Not yet going into week 10, or I guess week 11 will be next week. Am I concerned? Matt Menark, any concern level, any worry with the Philadelphia Eagles lack of run game recently? No, because they're still getting the job done. Maybe, I mean, there's a couple 
scenarios in my head that I'm thinking of, but then it makes another thought more confusing. Maybe they're pacing Swift a little. He's only 16 carries away from his career high in carries for a season. And we have, there's like eight games left. Maybe they're trying to keep him fresh later on in the, in the, in the season. But then that also goes back to, well, then why don't you use Penny more? I thought Penny would be like the LeGarrette Blunt of this team. A lot the of downhill think. runner. So maybe because of his injury history, they don't want to overuse him now. But then, well, They're not using him at all, though, yeah, man. Like, that's, that's what makes it confusing. It's like yeah. maybe they are pacing Swift to keep him fresh, but then you would think that they would use Penny more because of that. And then you could have all four running backs kind of in a groove. I'm not so worried about it because they still are getting the job done. I, I think that Swift will still be maybe like 1,100, 1,200-yard rusher. I think he'll have a couple more big games. But it's just about volume and him him being used. But, sure. I mean, he's like three yards away from his career high in rushing and 16 attempts. So maybe it's because of that. I'm not too worried yet. Now, if it becomes that the the passing game gets stopped for a game and then the running game can't pick up the slack, that's where I'll start getting getting more worried about sure, it. Sure, sure. Okay, cool. So we're kind of on the same page. Not worried as of yet. Keeping an eye on it, but not worried exactly, as of yet. Yeah. What say you? 610-632-0975. Brian in Plymouth meeting. Elbow Shafari on Twitter, our good buddy. Tom, you're forgetting. Boston Scott will probably lead the NFL in rushing rest of season by virtue of two Giants games, which is a tremendous point. Thank you, Brian, for bringing that up. So... There's always that. All right, got those Giants games coming up. All right, uh, I want to hit the phones here before we get to a break and go to Newtown Square and talk to Doug. Doug, what's going on, man? Hey, what's going on, man? How are you? Good, good. Appreciate you calling. Good. Hey, so, I mean, I guess I don't know if I'm getting too ahead of myself, but, like, years ago with the Patriots, and I'm not a Patriots fan, I'm not just saying it, but, like, the point being is, like, there would be the games where Brady would have a buck 75 and, like, a touchdown, and that was it. And, you know, they ran the ball for 286 yards. Then he'd have a game where he threw for 385 because they stacked the box and then he torched them. So I feel like in a way we're taking what the defense has given us. You know, hey, we can beat you early on in the year. You know, where everybody's going on, hey, you know, we're not throwing the ball. Well, yeah, because everybody's worried about what we did in the Super Bowl and AJ Brown show and Devontae Smith and sure. Dallas Goddard. And then you know, at least at least in my mind, I feel like it's like we were kind of that team where one, if you're a fantasy player, it stinks because. You can't play anybody outside of maybe A.J. Brown. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, like, hey, you want to stack eight in the box, you're going to get torched. You want to play back and play double, you know, you know, you have two high safeties. You know, then we're going to pound the rock. You know, I feel like it's we're going to sort of do what the, you know, the defense is dictating. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point, taking what the defense is giving you kind of thing. And, look, the passing game has been much, much better as of late, especially compared to what it was early on in the year, right? Jalen Hurts finally finding his footing where you haven't had to rely on the run game as much. So it doesn't seem like you're worried when it comes to the Eagles' run game going forward. You're expecting a couple of these, like, 150-type rushing games thrown in here in the next, like, eight weeks or so. No, I, yeah, 100%. I, I feel like it's going to be that, that you know, grind out, you know, wins. You know, maybe Kansas City, you know, decides, like, hey, we want to take away – um, you know, the passing game. Well, we're going to pound the rock. And, and obviously I think it also, you know, depends on the opponent. Like, how do, how do you beat Patrick Mahomes? Like, you kind of need to win the time of possession. You know, there are times yeah. in the Super Bowl we should have held on to the ball a little longer. I mean, not that you don't want to take the points when you can get them. Obviously you got to score. But, 
you know, you know, you have a quick time, you know, a quick, you know, two and a half minute touchdown, you know, Mahomes is back on the field. So, I mean, I feel like it's kind of, you know, one of those things where, you know, I think hopefully, you know, our coaching is good enough to realize that. And that's what it kind of seems like to me. Not saying Sirianni's Belichick and all those guys, but I feel like, you know, you can really, you know, good teams do what you have to do to beat an opponent based on matchups and everything else. Especially I feel coming, like that's what we're doing. Especially coming off a of bye. Uh, Doug, thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, especially coming off of bye. I have confidence in Nick Sirianni. Now, look, it, it bothers me when he says, like, ah, the pass play is the same as a run play. If it's a quick quick hitter, right? Like, no, not necessarily, but they love that, that mentality. They've been saying it for pretty much Sirianni's entire time here. Uh, if there's ever, I mean, a week that it could possibly get done is this week, where, yes, it is a good Kansas City uh, defensive line, as we all know. They give up 112 rush yards per game, middle of the pack. It's beatable, right? Much better pass defense than run defense for the Kansas City Chiefs. And as Doug mentioned, time of possession, keeping Patrick Mahomes off the field. Wouldn't shock me at all if we saw the Eagles rush game dominate this week or at least put up better numbers this week coming up against the Kansas City Chiefs like we did early on in the season. 610-632-0975. All right, on the other side, we've been heavy Sixers, heavy Eagles uh, in the show tonight. I want to want to move on a little bit. I want to transition a little bit here to the Philadelphia Phillies. Yes, I know. I'm still heartbroken, too. I'm annoyed. Free agency is underway. Started last week, and it's baseball free agency, so no moves happen. It's the worst part of baseball, one of the worst parts of baseball. They're free agency and how it works. Bryce Harper didn't sign until February, until he signed here, like three months after uh, free agency started. It's a problem, regardless. A couple free agents on the market for the Philadelphia Phillies. Guys like Reese Hoskins, Michael Lorenzen, Greg Kimbrell. Biggest one, of course, Aaron Nola. Now, we've heard multiple reports on Aaron Nola, whether it's coming back to the Phillies. We've heard Dave Dombrowski say he wants him back here, right? We've heard John Heyman say, oh, they're $100 million apart at the beginning of the season. Who knows what they are right now? We've also heard some rumors about other teams being interested in Nola. Two of them came out today. One of them, I'm expecting. I'm expecting them to be uh, linked to Aaron Nola because they've been linked to him pretty much all season. The other one, not so much. Worried me a little bit. Caught me by surprise. I'll let you know those two teams who are interested in Aaron Nola on the other side and why you should be worried about one of them in particular taking Aaron Nola away from the Philadelphia Phillies. We'll get to that on the other side. 610-632-0975. Tom Malvord filling in for Connor Thomas. Philly Sports Tonight right here. 97.5 Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. The real and inside story on the Eagles, the Phillies, the Sixers, and the Flyers. Philly Sports Tonight continues on 97.5 The Fanatic and 97.5 TheFanatic.com. Ninety-seven five The Fanatic. Philly Sports Tonight. Tom Alvord filling in for Connor Thomas. Matt Menark filling in for Tom Alvord. Got you till 10 o'clock. Hanging out. Been getting into a lot of stuff. Talking a lot of Phillies. Or excuse me, talking a lot of Sixers. Tyrese Maxey. Him making the jump that it looks like he has made this early on in the season has been incredible. Talking a lot of Eagles. Talked to Jeff Kerr, CBS. Discussing what we saw in the first half of the season. What we're looking forward to. And, and keeping an eye on in the second half of the season. Been talking about it all. I mentioned that this week is the end of these brutal primetime games that we had this week. In the NFL. Bears and Panthers. 
Raiders, Jets. Thought we'd get a little bit of a better one tonight, even though it's still an ugly type matchup on paper. Broncos, Bills. Well, so far, the bad Bills have showed up because it's 3 nothing as we head into the second quarter. Josh Allen now with a turnover in six straight games. Very confusing football team. I don't understand them. Well, I do because they're way too Josh Allen reliant and they don't try to set up a run game in any way whatsoever and they don't have a legit wide receiver too even though they could have went out and got one in DeAndre Hopkins in the offseason or at least try to make a trade. Whatever. This isn't Bill's radio. The Bills frustrate me because they could be way better, but they're not. I don't know if that's Sean McDermott. I don't know who it is. Regardless, another ugly primetime game. Sorry for all you out there watching. We have primetime Vikings the next two weeks. Now, Josh Dobbs at least has given some excitement. It's yeah. not great. Justin Jefferson may be back. I'd rather Vikings and Broncos. I'll say that. Yeah, they will be playing the Bears, which is that's that's pretty ugly. Yeah, it's ugly. NFC North. That's, that's real football. NFC North football. Oh yeah. Josh Dobbs has been excited. We'll talk about him a little bit later. We're going to have around the NFL in the next segment, but we've been heavy football and basketball. I want to touch on the Philadelphia Phillies, and because we have a rumor. It's rumor season. It's hot, hot stove type season, right? MLB free agency started about a week ago, exactly a week ago, November 6th. Takes forever because MLB offseason sucks. Signing free agents sucks. Regardless, big one, couple free agents who are available for the Philadelphia Phillies that the Philadelphia Phillies let go. Kimbrell, Lorenzen, uh, Reese Hoskins. There's another minor one thrown in there. My apologies. I don't remember off the top of my head. But the big one, of course, is Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola who has been with the Philadelphia Phillies since 2015, drafted here, top 15 draft pick for the Philadelphia Phillies, outperformed expectations of him because I remember when he first came up, they were talking about him. He's a three, maybe a two at the height, but more likely a three or a four. Now, look, he's inconsistent. He is. He's also been top five in Cy Young twice in his career with the Phillies. That's pretty good. That's outperforming expectations, and he's had some huge moments for the Phillies, especially in the postseason. After 235 games started for the Philadelphia Phillies and over 1,400 innings pitched for the Philadelphia Phillies, he finally has a chance to hit the open market and sign with any team who is interested. And he said he's interested in coming back to the Phillies, and the Phillies have said they're interested in having him come back here for a reunion. John Heyman reported last week at the start of the season, the Phillies and Aranola were $100 million apart when it came to talks before the season started. I'm sure that number has gotten... I don't think it's that extreme, right? Especially with the up and down season Nola had, despite him having a great postseason. And the Phillies wanting to get a World Series and not winning the World Series last year. So, you know, they're striving to be as good of a team possible on paper. Aaron Nola has been, there's been, he's been flirting a little bit. We've heard some rumors. We heard one, and this is from John Morosi today. We've I've seen Rangers before. I've seen, um, I've seen the Padres even thrown in there before. I've seen a bunch of different teams been linked to Aaron Nola. Two today from John Morosi, and he tweeted this out a couple hours ago. John Morosi on Twitter does stuff for what? I think it's MLB Network, yeah. Sources. Cardinals among teams interested in Aaron Nola early in free agency. Cardinals have been linked to him for forever. That doesn't surprise me at all. Not one bit, and it shouldn't. He mentioned another team, though, in this tweet. Braves, also another team interested in Aaron Nola. Braves and Cardinals among teams showing early interest in free agent right-handed pitcher Aaron Nola, according to John Morosi. So I ask you out there at 610-632-0975, because it's easy if you're an Aaron Nola fan or not an Aaron Nola fan, it's easy to just say, ah, let him go, let him walk, whatever, we'll upgrade. 
It's a little bit different when he goes in division against a team that just won, what, 108 games or something like that, against a team that you're going to be matching up with in the playoffs time and time again in these next three years more likely than not. And a team that potentially is better than you on paper as well, who has major, major issues in one position, one area. It's pitching, specifically starting pitching. I remember after the Braves series, I got a call, and I don't even think it was from a Phillies fan. I think we were just talking baseball. And the dude asked me, hey, what do you do if you're the Braves? Like, how do you figure this out? What do you do differently? And I said to him, pitching. Specifically, though, starting pitching. They've dealt with a ton of injuries and a ton of issues with the starting pitching in the past couple years. One way to solve it is throwing money at one of these free agents. It was also reported that they're interested in Sonny Gray, potentially. So two of the top market starting pitchers out there. So if I say this to you, I give you this sentence. I want to know your reaction at 610-632-0975. My reaction to Aaron Nola going to the Braves would be blank. No, no, no. Would be blank. That's Matt Menard's reaction, which we'll talk to in just a second. Again. My reaction to Aaron Nola going, signing with the Braves would be blank. What's your reaction to that? 610-632-0975. Mine? Oh, bleep. Seriously. Like, that's my reaction. Now, look, I've said it time and time again. I said all throughout the regular season, I'm not signing Aaron Nola if it's more than four years. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. He's too inconsistent. Then the playoffs came around, and he proved to me two things. He proved to me, one, that he's one of the most durable pitchers that this game has had in the last five years. He's up there with innings, pitch, strikeouts, all that good stuff, right? Starts, going into the sixth inning, all that stuff. I knew that, though. What he proved to me this postseason is that he's a big game pitcher. And my opinion changed. All season, I'm like, I'm not re-signing Nola. The postseason happened. And I'm not talking about game six of the NLCS. That was one game. He was fantastic other than that. I'm willing to sign a guy who's inconsistent to big money if he's durable and if he's a big game pitcher. That's what Aaron Nola is. Durable. And he proved to be a big game pitcher. Again, I know how it ended in the game six of the NLCS. And I know how it ended in the World Series. He's been a gr- fantastic in the postseason for 90% of the postseason games that he has pitched. 85% of the postseason games that he has pitched. Taking away Aaron Nola from this baseball team. And putting him on the Atlanta Braves. Who are one of the best teams in all of baseball. Who needs starting pitching like they need air. Worries the hell out of me. I'll be completely honest. Now, uh, Tim Kelly, who does a great job for Phillies Nation, wrote up a little article why we should be concerned about Aaron Nola potentially going to the Phillies. He talked about how durable he is, how the Braves need pitching, all that good stuff. But he also noted this in the article from Tim Kelly. Ken Rosenthal continued to discuss the fit on the Athletic Monday, noting that Nola has a strong relationship with Braves pitching coach Rick Kranitz. In 2016 and 17, Kranitz was the bullpen coach for the Phillies before serving as the pitching coach during the 2018 campaign. In that 2018 campaign... Nola finished third in Cy Young, probably his best season as a Philadelphia Philly in his career. Rosenthal also said that Nola, who is an, a Louisiana native, has typically pitched very well in warm weather, could want to pitch for a team in the South. So that's not a report. That's just an assumption, right? And Nola does pitch better in warmer weather. We've seen that before. And he's a Louisiana kid, Baton Rouge, right? So maybe he's intrigued with the option of being closer to home, pitching in warmer weather, pitching for a damn good baseball team. Now, I will say this. If the Philadelphia Phillies want Aaron Nola and the Braves of the team that is, is the other team that he's talking to, the Philadelphia Phillies can have Aaron Nola back because the Atlanta Braves do not spend like the Philadelphia Phillies do. They are a smart organization, 
when it comes to spending money, but also at the same time kind of cheap because they didn't re-sign Freddie Freeman, right? And I'm not, I'm not hitting on the Braves. They're a hell of a franchise. I'm just saying they're not out there like the Phillies where they're throwing around $300 million contracts, $200 million contracts like it's nothing. The Phillies will pay. If there is a similar type offer from the Braves where he's being rumored at like 160, Carlos Rodon got like 163 last year. He said that's the floor. Aaron Nola's team has said that's the floor for what the contract's going to be. If the Braves offers five years, six years, $170 million, he's a Philadelphia Philly if they want to offer him that, right? Like the Phillies can offer more money, and I believe will offer more money than the Atlanta Braves are willing to offer because that's not normally who the Atlanta Braves are. That's not who they've been in their history, especially as of late. They, sign, they find these guys or they trade for them for pennies because the athletics are idiots, and then they sign them to these team-friendly contracts that it makes no sense why these, team, why these players agree to it, where Ronald Cunha Jr. should be making – $400 million and he's getting paid like under $200 million. It's stupid. Regardless. I don't care. Good for them. Um, they don't spend as much as the Phillies spend. If they really want Nola back, they can have him. I think there is a limit on how high they will go. I do. If the Braves somehow decide to offer $200 million, I could see the Phillies backing off because maybe that's an overpay in their opinion. I don't think they do it because again, that's not who the Braves have been. But when it comes down to the Philadelphia, or excuse me, to Aaron Nola going to the Atlanta Braves, it should worry you out there. Now, look, you could say, oh, we'll, we'll hit him come postseason time. I'm not worried about Nola. He'll fall apart when it matters most. You may be right. And who knows how he does next year in a different environment with a new pitching coach, even though he has seen him before, right? New teammates, all that good stuff. Less pressure, for damn sure, going from a market like Philadelphia to a market like Atlanta when it comes to their baseball team. Aaron Nola giving the Atlanta Braves durability and the ceiling that he has in their rotation should be scary, should scare Phillies fans out there. So I ask you again, my reaction to Aaron Nola going to the Atlanta Braves would be blank. What say you? 610-632-0975. Matt Menark, other than the drop that you hit, <laughs> what's your reaction to Aaron Nola being rumored to the Braves and them having real interest in Aaron Nola? It's very worrisome because I think, out of all the free agent pitchers, Aaron Nola is the one you'd want back over all of them. Not just because he was a Philly and you saw what he did as a Philly. It's because he's the best one out there. Uh, to, to, Yamamoto is the only one I would argue and probably take over him because he's 25 and he's shown potential. But there's still a massive yeah. risk. That's and the only I, one I for me. I know nothing about that guy pitching a lot of in the major don't. leagues. Exactly. A lot of pe- MLB teams don't. He might not know what it looks like. That's the only one yeah. I'd consider over, over Nola, but you're right other than that. And, in my opinion, that's how I feel, but I think a lot of people share the same way as you. Yeah, but other than other than that, I mean, it, it's definitely worrisome because you would have, basically, you'd have Strider and Nola and Max Freed. Freed. Yeah, man. That's set up for the playoffs. That's why and the Phillies keep beating them. You got uh, Charlie Morton, who I don't think is a free agent. He's still around. If he's healthy, he can give you innings. You have Bryce Elder and... A.J. Smith-Shawver, who are young guys in their farm system that showed some flashes, they get another whole offseason for them. Yeah, and one of the biggest keys to the Phillies winning the last two years is because their rotation, their team was built for the playoffs. That would be a piece that would give them, a ro- the Braves, the rotation that they need in the playoffs. It is definitely worrisome. I, I don't know if the Phillies would overpay to prevent the Braves, if they That's would a million-dollar question. Yeah, like, ah, I, I don't want to pay this, but I don't want him to go here, so we're going to throw this extra $30 million. Uh, Yeah, it's, it's definitely worrisome. 
I, I find that interesting. And Connor Thomas, who was on Best Show Ever, brought that up to me. And I kind of said, do good organizations overpay to keep a rival from getting their player? I don't think they do. The Phillies have been a good organization as of late. I don't think it's the right move. Say they have a cap of we're not going over $180 million, right? Say they have that. Say Nola goes, listen, man, the Braves are offering me 185, 190, 190. You have to beat them or I'm going to Atlanta. I think they think about it, but I don't know if that's what good franchises do because there are other options out there. They might not be better, but there are other options out there. That's a million-dollar question if they're willing to overpay to keep them from going to the Braves. Yeah, this might be one of those weird situations, though. Like, I if it was to – if this was the Phillies versus the Mets and the Mets are – they're a rival, but they're nowhere near – the level of yep. where the Braves are. Or like the Marlins even. Or yep. the Marlins. But you know that if you're going to make the playoffs next year, the Phillies that is, more than likely you're going to be facing the Braves at some point. And what happens when players go to the Braves? They usually have career years, right? They usually find themselves again. Matt Olson, he hit freaking 54 home runs this year. Ozzy, or, uh, excuse me, Sean Murphy was one of the best catchers in baseball this year, right? Rysel Iglesias, their closer, who struggled against the Phillies. But he was, like, lost in in Los Angeles when he was on the Angels. Then he goes to the Braves, and he pitched really, really well. I feel like Nola would do the same. I feel like it would be something where Nola goes there, and we're all saying, oh, he's inconsistent, oh, he's cooked. And he goes out there, and he's, like, top five in Cy Young because they figure something out, right? And also, by the way, when it comes to Nola, how I said that I wasn't about him all season long, he showed me, obviously, the durability. He showed me he's a big-game pitcher, and he adjusted to the pitch clock. That was something that I was very, very concerned about. Hey, this pitch clock's not going anywhere. It's working. He hasn't adjusted to it. He adjusted the last, like, month of the season. Right on right on time, right? Right in time. What if he found that adjustment, and what if it works for him? It worked for 95% of the season after, like, September on, it worked for him. Yeah, and, it, and, sorry, and, and the playoffs, I when he had those great games in the playoffs, he mentioned during his pressers the adjustments that he made. Yep. And it yep. was more about squaring up his body at a certain angle. And he said he was looking at, like, the other pitch clock, I think, too, uh, yeah. compared to the other one he used to. He was early in the season. And after that, I mean, he was a completely different pitcher. So if he uses that, I mean, you might see this type of Aaron Nola in a way from the beginning of the season just with these adjustments that have worked, except for that last game, but whatever. I mean, he he still could be not he not at his peak yet. He's such an interesting free agent. Like, there's so much potential. There's such a high ceiling, and he, fig- he p- pitched well in the playoffs. The durability, all those things going for him. Still 30 years old. Where you got guys like you know Max Scherzer was like 36, and no, he wasn't great last year, but you know he was good in his mid 30s. Like you never know. He could be one of those pitchers. But you also have the inconsistencies, which he has had, where I look at the ERAs in the last four seasons. 4-4, four, four, then 3-2, then 4-6, then 3-2. And that's over an entire season. Like, there's inconsistencies. And it's also, hey, when does this durability run out? Does it run out? Is it two years from now? And he's just, listen, listen man, I'm cooked. I got 2,000 innings on my arm. I got nothing left. He's not going to say that, but like his body saying that to him, right? Where he's like, he just falls apart, which is possible. And I'm not rooting for in any way whatsoever, regardless of what team he goes to, even if it's not the Phillies, right? 
That's possible, though. He's such an interesting free agent. He's he's probably the most intriguing guy on the free agency market other than, like, Shohei Otani, of course, right? Bellinger's interesting because Bellinger's very streaky. Nola's more consistent than Bellinger. Like, Bellinger will either win MVP or he's unhittable and he's, like, your ninth hitter, right? He was damn good last year. I wanted the Phillies to trade for him, and the Cubs didn't do it because they're a dumb franchise, and they'll probably regret it because they probably could have gotten a top pick or a top prospect, excuse me. But Aaron Nola is such an intriguing free agency, uh, player on free agency this year. Going to be really interesting to see where he goes. So I ask you again at 610-632-0975, your reaction to Aaron Nola going to the Braves would be blank. Don't curse, please. I wanted to curse, but I didn't do it. We got some rules here, right? Don't curse. But I would love to hear your reaction at 610-632-0975. Before we hit a break here, before we kind of transition a little bit, I want to go to Norristown and talk to Donato. Donato, how are you? Hey, man, how you doing? Love the show. Good. Appreciate you calling, man. Thank you. So, listen, I just want to touch on a couple of things. Okay. One, I, I, I don't think you overpay for an Aaron, Aaron Noah, right? You, you definitely need some other things. They need a closer. And if you were to overpay for a pitcher, I would say a Snell who just won, you know. He's going to win Cy Young, yep. Cy Young. But I don't even trust a Snell. Like, and the other thing is, if you were that worried about him, the Phillies would be signing him. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'd rather see them go out and get a closer, and 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 if you are going to overpay, overpay for a Snell or somebody else. Aaron Noah, I just don't trust him. Okay, fair enough. So um, that's point one. You said you had a couple things. What else you got? Now the other the other thing is as far as the Mike Trout situation. Okay. Right? Okay. What do you think it would cost the Phillies to bring in a Mike Trout? I. It's tough, right? Because obviously Mike Trout, when you hear the name, he's a fantastic player. When he's healthy, he's one of the best in the game. He's in his 30s. He hasn't played a full season in like four years, and he's got a massive, massive contract. So I'm curious if the Angels are just looking to get off that uh, get off that contract. Maybe they take a couple prospects, but it's not nearly top guys. I'll be honest. I don't know what it would cost, but if they're taking on the full contract, I don't think it'd be as much as you would think. Right. And the other thing is, I would just say that the Soto thing. Soto is is not as good as Trout, obviously, but I would say he's a step below. He's he's damn good. Like he he has potential to be a, a Hall of Fame type player. If they can get Soto, who's what like mid twenties, right. that's yeah. something that you really have to consider if you're the Phillies if the price is right. Yep. Yep. Awesome, Donato. Thank you very much, buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah, the Trout stuff. We've had this conversation before. I worry about it. I do. That's a that's another weird one to think about because, like you said, the, the health. Yeah, I mean, you just can't, like, it's a massive, massive contract. It doesn't necessarily fit. Like, of course, you could have move, you know, Castellanos to left, or do you try and move off Castellanos at that point? But, like, Castellanos is more available than Mike Trout. When they're healthy, it's not even close. Trout's a better player. Castellanos has been much more available than Mike Trout has been. His body's starting to break down. The game's played in the last couple years for Mike Trout. 82, 119, 36, and then 53 in the COVID year. Again, the last three seasons, so I won't even mention the COVID year. Last three seasons, 36, 119, and 82. He hasn't played over 140 games since 2016. That's a problem, man. He's breaking down, and you'll probably have to give up. I don't think it'll cost you Painter. I don't. Like, I don't think it'll, t- it'll cost your top guys, but I do think it could potentially. And I'm just guessing. I, this is me. No idea at all. I think maybe it would be like Abel and a couple like back tier guys, and then you take on the big contract. I really don't know. That worries the hell out of me. I'll be completely honest. Yeah, and if you're going to throw out a ton of money, as great as Mike Trout is when he's healthy, I think the Phillies have other pressing needs. They do, absolutely. Because they have 
they have outfield, you know, options out there. Yeah. And, you know, it's it, it's not – I think they need pitching more than – more than um, an outfield, outfield, a right-handed bat in the outfield. Yeah, yeah. right-hand. I mean, yeah, it's it would be cool. I mean, it would be great. But like you said, I mean, are, are you going to see him until July? Yeah. And then after that, it's like, okay, how how are you going to fill in for Trout? He had a he broke his handmate bone, which is the bone on his hand. He was out for a couple months. He was on IL. He came back the first game after he came back. He left, was put right on the IL again, and missed the rest of the season. He played. He tried to play one game, and he couldn't do it. Now, look, where are the situation where the Angels were at in the season? Maybe he doesn't want to risk it. I get it. The body's starting to break down for Mike Trout, and it's starting to worry me a little bit. So, to me, depending on what it costs, of course, because if they're just shipping them, if it's like the Giancarlo Stanton trade, look at that Stanton-Yankees trade from, or excuse me, Stanton, yeah, Stanton-Yankees and Marlins trade from like five years ago or whatever, where Stanton was the best player in baseball for a long time. The Yankees gave him, or the Marlins gave him up for pennies, pennies, and I think that's just because they wanted to get off the contract. Is it something similar for the Angels? If that's the case, and you're getting them for pennies, you have to be interested. Yeah, it's a different story. It's something to keep an eye on as we go along for the rest of the season. Love to hear your reaction to Mike Trout. Even we can get into a little bit, and of course, Aaron Nola potentially going to the Braves. Six one zero six three two zero nine seven five. Tom Alvord filling in for Connor Thomas. Philly Sports Tonight got one more segment on the other side. Got you till 10 o'clock right here. 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. 97- Backstagecountry.com. Your online home for all things country music. <laughs> Wondering who made our list of the top five all-time queens of country music? Did Carrie Underwood make the cut? Find out now when you text Queens to 45911 and scroll through the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text Queens to 45911 to see the talented artists who rounded out our top five list. Five, the Fanatic. The real and inside story on the Eagles, the Phillies, the Sixers, and the Flyers. Philly Sports Tonight continues on 97.5 The Fanatic and 97.5 TheFanatic.com. Talk. 97.5 The Fanatic. Tom Alvord filling in for Connor Thomas. Philly Sports Tonight. Right here on... <laughs> I got Gabriel Davis to finish out the parlay, but it's not him. It's Dalton Kincaid. Dalton Kincaid scored a touchdown if you got him in fantasy. Congratulations, everybody out there. Damn it. Um, regardless, talking a lot of things. A lot of Sixers tonight. Talking a lot of Eagles tonight. Been, uh, been a little bit of Phillies recently, which I love. As much as they hurt me, as much as it's a ways away, and we got more important things, right? More pressing needs. I always love talking a little hot stove, talking some Phillies. And our last caller, Donato, brought up a couple names because I asked, of course, your reaction to Aaron Nola going to the Braves, signing with the Braves, would be what? Because apparently there is a potential of that. There's a chance that that happens. been multiple reports. John Morosi came out with it today and pretty much clarified it himself. He's hearing the same thing. Donato, our last caller, asked a couple things. He asked about Aaron Nola, talked about Aaron Nola, talked about Mike Trout, and he talked about Juan Soto. The thing I said on Trout, is it potentially a John Giancarlo uh, Stanton-type trade? Where back in December of 2017, where we had some more, uh, we were worried about more things then in Philadelphia because that's on the run to the Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl. 
And I believe Carson Wentz was probably out at that point. So, but regardless, December of 2017, Giancarlo gets traded to the New York Yankees. Yankees today announced they acquired Giancarlo Stanton and cash considerations from the Miami Marlins in exchange for Starling Castro, Jorge Guzman, and Jose Devers. Starling Castro was an okay player. He fell off after he went to the Marlins. Jorge Guzman and Jose Devers, I've never heard of. I like to think I'm pretty good when it comes to baseball and knowing these guys, right? I've never heard of them. So for Giancarlo Stanton, who at the time was one of the best players in baseball, who at the time was hitting home runs at an insane pace. In 2017, the 28-year-old, 28 years old in 2017, Giancarlo Stanton was, hit 281 with the 376 OBP, 59 homers, and 132 RBIs. He got traded to the New York Yankees for pennies. Do you know why? Because the Marlins were trying to get off that contract, that massive, massive contract he signed where I believe it was over $300 million. I think it's on here somewhere. Yeah, 13 years, $325 million. He was three years into it. They wanted to get out of it, right? So the reason he was traded for pennies is because they took on the contract. The Yankees were expected to take on this from Rosenthal back in 2017. Yankees expected to take on 260 of Giancarlo Stanton remaining $295 million contract. They took on basically everything, $30 million, right? That's the reason he was traded for pennies. If that's the case for Mike Trout, I'm much more interested. Where they just want to get off that contract. Listen, man, we love what you did for us. They'll get more than that, right? Like they're going to ask for a couple more prospects, I would assume. Or at least get, they're going to ask, definitely. But they're going to get a couple more prospects, better players than that, I would assume, in a Mike Trout trade if he's available. But if it costs you your fifth best prospect, your tenth best prospect for a guy like Mike Trout, I, I could be swayed. Right? But if it's going to cost you Andrew Painter or Mick Abel, I'm out. I'm not doing it. It doesn't make sense. That's the only, that one of the only ways I'm doing a Mike Trout trade because I'm not excited as everyone else is out there. I'm a bit more hesitant because of the lack of games played. If that's the case where they're just trying to dump the contract, I'm interested. And I think Dave Dombrowski potentially would be as well. Uh, Aaron Nola as well before we hit the phones here and before we get to NFL Roundup to close out the show. Aaron Nola, we've been talking about a ton going to the Braves. There's three players I'm prioritizing over Aaron Nola this offseason for the Philadelphia Phillies when it comes to starting pitcher. The first one is Corbin Burns. Milwaukee's fire sale, according to John Morosi in multiple reports. Milwaukee's looking to sell. Teams not, they're not winning. They're looking to go a different direction. Corbin Burns is a free agent after next season. They're not going to sign him. They've been having talks. It's not happening. You find a way to get Corbin Burns here, give me. I'm all, all in. I'm giving up Painter. I'm thinking about it. I'll do Abel. All in. Corbin Burns is a legit top five pitcher in baseball. And he doesn't have near the inconsistencies as Aaron Nola. Now, he's not as durable. Or excuse me. Excuse me. That's not, that's not accurate. He does not put up as many innings as Aaron Nola. Or he hasn't, at least, in the past few seasons of his career. But Corbin Burns is a legit ace. You find a way to get Corbin Burns here. Even if Nola's interested in taking a home count discount or something. See ya. See ya. Corbin Burns. 29 years old, his last couple seasons for Corbin Burns. 339 ERA. That's his high that I'm going to read. This past season, a 339 ERA and 32 starts. 294, 243 when he won Cy Young, and 211 in his past three seasons. Four seasons, excuse me. That is a legit ace. One Cy Young over Zach Wheeler, whether you should have not. 
you find a way to get that guy, sorry, Nola. See ya. See ya. I, even if it's for one season and you're uncertain, you have to make a move like that. Putting together a rotation of Zach Wheeler and Corbin Burns is lethal. Lethal. I didn't know he had these records either. Most consecutive strikeouts in a game, 10, tied with Tom Seaver and Aaron Nola. Look at that. And most consecutive strikeouts without issuing a walk, that's huge to start a season, 58. So he has control. I mean, he he's, yeah. He's an ace. Absolutely. And, look, and you could say, oh, he's not nearly as durable, right? He doesn't put up as many innings, which was correct early in his career. The last two seasons for Corbin Burns. Last year, 193 innings pitched, 339 ERA, 32 starts. That's pretty durable. The year before that, 202 innings pitched, 33 starts, 294 ERA. That's pretty damn durable. He's coming into his own. Go get Corbin Burns. He's number one. Number two is probably Yoshi Yamamoto, who you said you don't know a lot about. A lot of people don't know about him, right? He's a mystery man from uh, in the Japanese league. I'll give you a stat. You might like this. You're a stat guy. 25 years old, by the way. Yamamoto is when he's hitting the open market. Probably going to get the biggest contract of any of these guys. This is from Codify Baseball. In the last three seasons in Japan, Yoshi Yamamoto has pitched 558 innings. His ERA is 1.42. In his last 558 innings pitched in Japan over the last three years, a 1.42 ERA. And also, and I mentioned this last week, in the championship game over there, right? In their World Series championship, whatever it is. In game six, it was an elimination game. His team was down. They were about to lose. He threw 130 plus pitches, nine innings, and 14 strikeouts. A complete game with 14 strikeouts, 130 pitches in the biggest game of the season. Again, it's not Major League Baseball. It's a damn good league though, right? Probably the second best in all of in the entire world. You find a way to get one of those two. Those are the only guys I'm prioritizing over Aaron Nola. Doesn't mean there's not other good options out there. Blake Snell, Sonny Gray. I just don't know if that's an upgrade over a guy like Aaron Nola. Corbin Burns and Yamamoto are. Yamamoto, major question mark. It's a ton of innings. You worry about the health, right? Can that arm hold up? And they're going to be more careful with them. Those are the only two guys I'm prioritizing over Aaron Nola. Yamamoto and Corbin Burns. 610-632-0975. All right, before we get to uh, around the NFL, let's talk to Brian, Plymouth Meeting, our good buddy. Brian, how are you, man? Hey, Tom, I didn't realize Corbin Burns was available. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to do like Yankees, like Phillies fans behaving like Yankees baseball, let's have Snell and uh, Burns. <laughs> Sign <Seinfeld>. like, uh, <laughs> A little probably unrealistic, but hey, man, bring in as much help as possible. Well, no, I mean, of course, like always go top shelf shopping. That's the thing about the, you know, I, I mean, we talked about this. Aaron Nola walked out the door in spring training when they didn't give him a long-term contract at that point. And, and shame on other teams if they don't pay him a bunch of money more than the Phillies are willing to do. And so my reaction would be kind of meh, but like I said to you on Twitter, the Braves don't like, because there's no like owner that's spending money. It's just kind of corporate. I I can't see them being at the top of market for Aaron Nola. Agreed. Um, the Phillies can get him if they if they want him. The Phillies can get him because I can't see them offering a higher contract than the Phillies um, can spend at least. Are they willing to go that high? Maybe not, but like I can't see the Braves throwing two hundred million dollars at Nola. Uh, n- me neither. No, totally. Um, but some other team could and should, um, and he would leave a big hole in the. Mi- but 
Yeah, I'm sorry. I lost my train. No, you're good. I mean, it's a big replacement. You did say on air that Mike Trout is not a good fit for a team whose center fielder just went like one for 25 (laughs) across like 10 playoff games. I don't know how much center field Trout's playing if he's coming here. I'll be honest because he's in his 30s now, but I get what you're saying. For sure. He can, but when it comes down to the playoffs, he can fit in somewhere. Sure. And you can, you can um, take that was, hit in center field if Trout's playing left field. and, and I mean, I was disappointed, Tom, to see that Bryce uh, Harper is playing first base. But, he's, but, I mean, once you get in the infield, they're like, wow, this is a lot easier on the legs. So I think I'll just do this. Legs and his arm, you know, not as nearly as much torque as he's getting on, that, on those throws from right field. I think it, I don't even know if it was all Bryce. I think the Phillies management and upper management had something to say about it. I think they're worried about his long-term health, and he's probably best suited at first. Well, sure. I mean, he's always gone cr- crashing into, like, fences and stuff. He's, like, kind of Embiid of right field. <laughs> a little reckless at times. He's very rambunctious. And, uh, yeah, so over 162 games, you're, that's not ideal, but, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Anything over Castellanos in in Brakefield is a huge upgrade. So. Yeah, I just I think uh, I think I think it makes sense Harper going to first. I do. It's just in terms of like maximizing talent that it's kind of uh, turns my stomach in that regard. But anyway, um, the Phillies are are good, and you know if and also one last thing of all the times I've listened to this show in this time slot for years, the times that people are just calling and cursing at Aaron Nola because he just gave up oh, yeah. three go for balls in a regular season game. Like he eats innings during the season, but he's not, uh, it's going to be up and down, which is fine. I mean, it's innings, but, um, for 160, $180 million, and, you know, and, yeah, and then the question is, when does the fastball disappear? Because yep. the fastball is spotty, and you know, but but I wish Aaron Nola the best of luck, you know, the rest of his career. If it's here, that's great. That'd be great. Have a good one, Brian. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you as always. Um, yeah, I mean that's the, that's a concern. When does that fastball go, and when does the arm kind of fall off? Because it's it's more likely than not going to happen. It happens with pretty much every pitcher out there. It's just, is it going to happen at 37 or is it going to happen at 32 because all the innings he pitched? He does make a good point about the callers and all that stuff. So what, what month, if they do resign him, what month will the first caller call in and say, this is the worst free agent signing we ever had? August. Not even before this, like the season's not even going to start. Or excuse me, I'm thinking, I'm thinking football. My bad. Uh, March is March. what I meant to say. My bad, my bad, my bad. I'm thinking football. Like he gives up a dong in spring training? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like he won't even get regular season. Nah, they never should have signed him. He's cooked. Oh, he looks horrible. Yeah, I'm not excited about those conversations if they do happen, I'll be honest. No, because he's got, he will have games. Yeah, he's inconsistent. He is. But, you know, if they're signing for that contract, it's because of the durability. It's because of the innings he's eating. And it's because they have the playoffs in mind. They have September That's in mind. The- that last one right there, that's, that's definitely that's what it's for. Playoffs. All right, man. It's time. We've been holding it off. We mean to get to it. Let's go around the NFL. Look what we missed. NFL uh, week not over yet. As we got a barn burner in Buffalo. Nine to eight. The Broncos are leading the Bills. Awesome. Great. Great prime times this week. All right. Let's uh, let's see what we missed. I'm not even talking about the Thursday game. I do not care about the Bears and Panthers. Uh, this week, we had the Colts and Patriots go up against each other in Germany. Another primetime game, uh, game, technically, because it's a solo game on its own. Horrible. 10-6. to 6. 
Belichick's cooked. Like, he might get fired. I don't think it happens necessarily, but I don't think he's back next year. Ugly, ugly game. They can't figure anything out. Mac Jones is benched for Bailey Zappi. I was sitting there having some brunch watching it. I was like, why am I watching this? What is the point of this? Ugly game. The Patriots are cooked, dude. Two and eight. They might be in Caleb Williams territory. I mean, they're with the Cardinals winning, there's only one team worse than the Patriots now. It's the Bears, right? Or um, I guess the, Pan- it's Panthers, the Bears pick. And they're not, yeah. It's the Bears pick, I yeah. mean. Yeah, my bad. But yes, and they're the not going to get a quarterback. I think they're. Well, no, they can't draft Caleb. No. Say they got Justin Fields still, so. I don't think so. Know. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. You never know, though. We'll see what happens. But. Belichick, do you even let him? Do you want him coaching Caleb Williams? Like he has not, he's done nothing offensively for Mac Jones. He's put him in terrible situations. He had a defense coordinator, Matt Patricia, being the offense coordinator. I don't even know if you want him being the guy to coach Caleb Williams if you're the Patriots. I I think this this should be the out of respect for him and what he's done. I wouldn't fire him till after the year, after the season. But, yeah, I, I think this this should be the last year of Belichick. And they're going to go, oh, we went our separate ways kind of thing, right? right? Like a mutual agreement to, to leave. Yeah, regardless, ugly game. Don't need to hit much more on that. Uh, the game of the day, probably. Texans and Bengals. Who saw this coming, man? Texans take down the Bengals 30-27. to 27. Back and forth game. Interceptions being thrown all over the place. Burrow had two late. C.J. Stroud had one late. I'll tell you what, man. C.J. Stroud's a baller. Like He's in MVP conversations right now, consideration. They found an absolute home run. It looks at least early on the Houston Texans did in C.J. Stroud. He looks like the next next guy in the NFL. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he just keeps getting better every week. And this team, there was no expectations for this team. You thought, okay, they get D'Amico Ryans. He, he's a great defensive coach. He'll he'll get them. You know, they'll be in con- playoff contention the next couple of years. They're like a hat. They're like I think a game out of first now. Yeah, they're five and four on the year. The Houston Texans five and, and, and four uh, on the year. Colts are oh well, yeah. The Jags are six and three. They're Jags game out of first. Crazy. They could win a damn division. Yeah, they if could. they do, yeah. C.J. Stroud should definitely. He gets nine, ten wins, and he continues to play like that. Look, dude, he's doing this with no offense, very little offensive line, and a tonsils there. He's fine. Spotty offensive line play. Very few receivers. Like Tank Dell's fine, but is he making Tank Dell look better than he is? Yeah. Right. Nico and Collins. Nico Collins is Devin fine. Devin Singletary's a running back like, now. He's doing this with nothing, and he looks like the best quarterback in that division right now. He does. He looks better than Lawrence. Absolutely. Crazy, man. All right. Uh, count one of a stinker. Saints and Vikings. Vikings beat uh, the Saints 27-19. Josh Dobbs continues his heroic effort for the Minnesota Vikings. I can't stand Jameis Winston. Cannot, uh, yeah. dude. He's a hate the face. Derek Carr, I was totally wrong on the Saints and Derek Carr. I picked him to go to the NFC Championship game. I thought it was going to be like Geno Smith being inserted to the Seahawks, right? We got a good roster. You put a viable quarterback, it'll look different. It doesn't. Derek Carr stinks. I can't stand Jameis Winston. I can't stand watching him. He just is such a dumb football player. He just did what he – I mean, he he starts off, I think he throws two interceptions. Then he follows it – I mean, two touchdowns, yeah. and he follows it with two, two interceptions. interceptions. I was like, that's, that's his career. He had 30 picks one season, dude. And people were trying to tell me, oh – well, not people, but, like, I remember seeing a dude on an analyst. Like, oh, this one's not his fault. He really only should have thrown 20. He stinks. That's still 20, dude. He's Jameis Winston, bro. Oh, my God. Well, ugly. Uh, Steelers-Packers didn't watch much of this one. 23-19, to the Steelers beat the Packers. They are outgained once again, the Pittsburgh Steelers, for every game this season. Nine games they've been outgamed, and they're 6-3. and three. They're a fluky team. They're not doing anything come playoff time. That offense is a mess. Kenny Pickett doesn't look like he has it. Jordan, Jordan Love, I was higher on. Another one I was wrong on. I thought the Packers were going to fight for that division. They look kind of lost, too. And Jordan Love does yeah, not look like the guy. 
They have nothing. I mean, yeah. Steelers look like that. They, remember that 10-0 and 0 Steelers team a couple yeah. years ago? That yeah. where Everybody's like, dude, oh, they're yeah. not that good. And they proved it. Yeah, and we're probably going to see the same thing happen again this year for the Steelers. Uh, Buccaneers, Titans, ugly game. Bucks win 20-6. to six. Will Levis, there was hope for like a week and a half, and he kind of went back to what little Will Levis does. or what He went back to a rookie quarterback, right? Like he kind of fell back to the earth. Buccaneers still a good defensive team. We saw what they did. Todd Bowles did to Jalen Hurts in the playoffs. Maybe he gets to Will Levis. There's still something there, but an ugly game. And Baker continues to find a way to win. They're 4-5. and five. Yeah, and that's a team that could be in the playoffs just because that division is so bad. So, so bad. 49ers, Jaguars, an absolute Destroy like thumping of the Jaguars. The 49ers went 34 to 3. I did not see this coming. It doesn't seem it, the 49ers are as advertised. Doesn't seem like the Jags are as good as we thought. Doesn't seem like Doug Peterson maybe is as good as we thought. And doesn't seem like Trevor Lawrence is as good as we thought. They've struggled all season long offensively, and they did again Sunday. Oh, yeah. I thought Trevor Lawrence would take the next step. Same. And I had, well, in one of my parlays, I had the Jaguars winning the division. They still might, but it would be in spite of Lawrence's. Uh, performance this season because he hasn't been that great. They really got to turn it around. And you know what it is? It's Doug Peterson being kind of hard-headed and always being with his guys. Press Taylor, I believe, is the OC over there, or at least he's in the, you know, he's a big part in the offense. The offense is good right now. Probably should upgrade, and he just doesn't do it. He didn't do it here, and that's a big reason why he's not here now, right? And it looks like it's happening in Jacksonville. They need to turn it around. Uh, Browns-Ravens, another great game. Great, great game. Browns win 33-31. to Lamar Jackson has the most turnovers in the fourth quarter in the last three seasons. It's a reason why I'm not fearful of the Ravens just yet. They haven't proved it come playoff time. They're a damn good football team with a good head coach and a good roster. They haven't played, uh, proved it come playoff time. And Lamar Jackson hasn't proved it come playoff time. I'm not fearing them until they give me a reason to. Yeah, that's the same thing. Uh, he he plays the same way in, in the fourth quarter as he does in the playoffs. And yeah, he's going to show great things, but then something's just going to happen where he gives up the game. I mean, he's an inconsistent I, passer and decision maker. Yeah, I had that game picked thirty three. I think I said thirty three thirty or something. But you I had the I just Browns thought, win. Yeah, because I just thought it was going to be one of those AFC or AFC North yeah. games. I mean, you have there. Were, I remember there was like a fifty some forty some Bengals Browns game a few years ago. I'm like. <laughs> I, th- I was thinking games. defense. I, I thought the Browns were going to win, but I was thinking like twenty to seventeen, ugly. You it should right, have man. been, but in those with those that division, things just weirdly happen. Very, very weird. Uh, Cardinals and Kyler Murray's return take down the Falcons twenty-five to twenty-three. Kyler Murray t- uh, led them on a game-winning drive late in that fourth quarter. Falcons stink. Arthur Smith should be fired. They're gonna. So I saw a tweet. Please don't let Marvin Harrison Jr. go to the Falcons because they're going to ruin them like they did Kyle Pitts, like they're doing Drake London, and like they're doing B. John Robinson. They need major change there. And good for the Cardinals and Jonathan Gannon getting a win. Yeah, they, they need a quarterback, and they need a coaching overhaul. Yeah. Because, like you said, which which might be wasting uh, Kyle Pitts. I, I I might keep an eye on that dude moving forward. Oh, yeah. Man. Next year. I mean... When did the trade rumors start out? Is he like, yo, get me out of here. What are you doing? Yeah, and he's uh, he's local, right? Uh, I, I do not know. I'll be honest. Not my but, um, Regardless. We need might need tight end depth. I'm, I'm fine with two good tight ends. When How Dallas got do goes. it? Uh, Lions take down the Chargers in one of the better games of the day. 41-38 offensive juggernaut of game. Crazy stats being thrown around. But it ends how it always ends for the Chargers. Too little, too late. 
they find a way to lose. Four and five on the year. That team's too damn talented. It's another thing. Coaching overhaul. Brandon Staley, we've seen enough. Like, when does this end? You're wasting Justin Herbert and his talent. Yeah, that's right. He, I'm sorry. I'm talking to myself with the mic. Yeah. Okay. He's Kyle Pitts is from Philly. Is he from Philly? Oh, yeah. Bring him home. Get it done, Howie. <laughs> um, yeah. They're wasting Justin Herbert and his talent. That offense is way too damn good. Get Brandon Staley out of there. I don't care if he's not, oh, he's our guy, this, that, the other. No, it's been three years. Get him out. It doesn't work. Yeah, it's the same story every year. Yep. Before before you know it, Herbert's going to be on the downside of his career when you decide to make a change. Mm -hmm. Everybody knew. I'm surprised that they even brought him back, Staley. I mean, there's no way. They should have been fired two years ago. Should have been fired two years ago. Yes, absolutely. Bad ownership there, having uh, having him continue to coach games. Cowboys. Throttle the forty, or excuse me, throttle the Giants forty nine seventeen. Not much to talk about there. Danny DeVito starting. Cowboys look good against bad teams. It is what it is. Uh, Seahawks take down the Commanders twenty nine to twenty six. Another good game late. Commanders continue to be pesky. Seahawks great, great talent on that offense. You know they're, they're a talented team. They're one of those that are a quarterback away. I like Geno Smith. I think there's a ceiling with Geno Smith. You get a legit quarterback in there, that team could be scary for years to come. Yeah, he reached that ceiling last year. His, he's not having as great of a year, but, yeah, while you have those uh, – you, you have an amazing wide receiving core right now. I mean, yeah. you got DK Metcalf and Jackson. I don't know how to say his last name. Um, Smith. And Jigba Smith, I believe it yeah, is. Yeah, and Smith Tyler and Lockett still. I mean – yeah, they're set up pretty well, man. That's for sure. Hope that he can get a, a quarterback in the future. They're still going to be a pesky team. And on last one real quick, but we don't really talk about it. Raiders beat the Jets. The Jets stink. They should have gotten a backup quarterback a long time ago, and they're going to regret it. It's going to be the reason that this season doesn't end well. Carson Wentz can't be worse than Zach Wilson. It can't. Like, that's being hard-headed. That's bad coaching there if you're the New York Jets. Well, he's opinion. a Ram now. Well, that's what I mean. But, like, <laughs> they, had an, they had an option yeah. to sign him, right? Like, he was available. Uh, bad, bad job by the Jets. I don't know if that's uh, on Salah. I don't know if that's upstairs with Joe Douglas. I don't know. I would be furious if I'm a Jets fan because that skill position group is great. I know the line has issues, but that skill position group is great. Garrett Wilson's a stud, and that defense is lethal. But you're being you're wasting it with Zach Wilson. I see on all these shows, oh, Zach Wilson's really not as bad as we think. It wasn't on him. It's kind of like Brandon Staley. You can have that conversation only so much, but we've seen it now for, what, eight games. He might not be the problem. But he's not the solution. Yeah, needs that, to be better. They could be wasting talent there as well. Yeah. I, I know that uh, Roger. Well, Roger said he'll be back in December. Who knows? Mid December, yeah. At the latest next year, yeah. You, you don't want to keep wasting some of these guys. Did you see that? Did you see the last play of the game last night? His hail mary throw. Wilson almost came Absurd. down with it too. Absurd. No, Dude like is, he has jumping over people. He has talent, Zach Wilson. Like he has a big arm. You see the potential. He made some like sidearm throws, different arm angle throws, but he's just not a consistent thrower. He doesn't yeah. read defenses well enough, right? Like it's more than just having a big arm, a talented arm. And he showed it. That throw was wild. That hail mary that could have been. Yeah, he just flicked it. But they have like I, I, they have very few offensive touchdowns this year. It's been a mess. They need to do something different. True. Well, that's it. That's all the time we have for tonight. Thank you to everybody who was able to join on Philly Sports tonight, this evening, on this Monday night, this football Monday. Brought to you by, as every football Monday is, Pierce Phelps Bryant Heating and Air Conditioning Contractors. Visit nopaybryant.com for flexible spending options on a new heating and cooling system. Thank you, everybody who called. Thank you, everybody who listened. Thank you, everybody who tweeted. Thank you, Jeff Kerr, NFL writer for CBS, for joining us at 8 o'clock. Really, really appreciate it. I had some great birds conversation. That uh, interview will be podcasted on 97.5thefanatic.com. Importantly, most importantly, thank you, Matt Menark. Doing a great job, as you always do. Producer extraordinaire. I'm sure we'll be crossing paths. At some point, uh, I will be on tomorrow, 10 to 2. 
producing for one Andrew Salchunas, both tomorrow and Wednesday. Got a little flip-flopping going on. Got some games coming up. Uh, so I will be producing for Ray Dunn. Dickie Dunn, he is out. He's got some other stuff going on. I will be producing. So you will hear from me in about 12 hours. Excited to talk to you all that all out there. Again, thank you, everybody, to call, listen, all that good stuff. I'm Tom Alvord. You've been listening to 97.5 Fanatics. Stay, stay safe, everybody.